Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can y'all hear this? Yes. Yeah. And the volume, not too oh, wait, loud. I have to have, I forgot that I'll be the intro person. No, yeah, 2019s. I'll be, 2019. 2019s. You could say horror, you could say full core. Full core. Folk is a hard word to say. Kind of, kind of is. Folk horror. Folk You're starting horror. with a song? Of course. Okay. Okay, here we freaking go. In the summertime in Halsingland, every 90 years a big festival's planned in a commune. There'll be mushrooms, there'll be mushrooms and a band. <laughs> hey, that sounds kind of fun. The sun is always out so you can see the sky You can find a girl or an idiot guy There'll be women There'll be women putting cubes inside your pie <laughs> Wait, what did he just say? And if your drink is red Then there's probably some period inside <laughs> Wow <laughs> Period? Like menstruation? We're gonna dance, dance, dance around the maypole Got a disabled child as our oracle He's a product He's a product, he's a product of incest. Um, that feels kind of problematic. <laughs> Got some funny traditions, but we all mean well. If you scream in pain, then we're all gonna yell. Got a bear suit. Got a bear suit, got a bear suit, get inside. I'm not getting inside the bear suit. <laughs> and after dinner time, we're gonna watch an elder couple suicide. Whoa! Okay, that I'm not cool with. And if you piss on our tree, then we're gonna have to skin you all alive. Just for pissing on a tree? We'll pull your lungs from your back and hang you up and put some flowers on your eyes. Okay, I think I'm just gonna go. We're gonna talk, talk, talk on the pod today about the follow-up to Hereditary. Ari Aster, Ari Aster casted for Orange Pewter Star. Ooh, I do like her. <laughs> on Cinema Possessed, we are talking, we are talking Midsommar. On Cinema Possessed, we are talking, we are talking Midsommar. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
Welcome, everybody, to the Cinema Possessed Podcast. My name is Jack Bishop. And I'm Corey Clifford. And each week we take a close look at one film in our combined DVD and Blu-ray collections and discuss what it was about it that originally possessed us to want to possess it. We'll debate whether or not the film still holds that power over us today, and in the end we'll decide once and for all if it deserves to keep its place on the shelf or be stuffed inside a bear carcass and burned alive in a giant yellow pyramid. A twisted fate for a Blu-ray, I'd say. I'd say. (laughs) And uh, listeners, you're probably wondering, wait, where's Justin Nisham? I haven't heard his sweet little voice yet. We put him in that bear costume. (laughs) We lit his ass on fire. Folks, have no fear. Justin is simply on a little midsummer sojourn of his own. And assuming he doesn't get indoctrinated into a pagan cult, he will, in fact, return. But today we have filled the Justin size hole with another very special Justin. He is a great friend, actor, writer, improviser, voice artist, and lover of all things spooky and weird. You know his work as writer and actor on the Cartoon Network series Infinity Train, co-host of the hilarious podcast Nature Talks to Itself, on stage performing improv with his team Winslow at Upright Citizens Brigade, and voicing a gazillion characters on a gazillion shows like The Fungies, Robot Chicken, Care Bears, Unlock the Magic, and even a creepy animatronic panda in a little short film called the hug we are thrilled to be joined today by justin michael hello a man with two first names i know (laughs) am i allowed to be here (laughs) yeah i gotta take a moment i did not know that there would be a song a full song and a real you can sing and it was funny i was delighted Thank you. Um, Jack loves a parody, a parody song. You know, it's my tribute to the films. Yeah. The question will be, because he's done it at the beginning of every episode, and the question will be, how long can he go? How long will this podcast go? Hey, as somebody who's committed to bits on long-running podcasts, (laughs) it becomes um, a burden, but you're happy some people will hate that you do the funny thing and uh, be like, just get to talking about the movies. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but I think it's a little spice that makes you the weird Al of our generation. There you hey. go. We were due up to cover a horror movie, and so we thought, who better to come in and guest than a fellow horror movie lover? We've watched a lot of horror movies together. We have. We even have like a little spooky movie club where we, we've watched tons of horror movies. We started it over the pandemic, and it's kind of continued on. And then the, the three of us plus your girlfriend, Marissa, we all go on these little haunts. Uh, we, we do a- Steak and scary. Steak and scary. Steak and scare. I mean, look, it's a, it's a loose- uh, It's a working title. title <laughs> that just started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it started because we were going to different haunted houses in the Los Angeles area, but we would often eat at a steakhouse beforehand. I think we did it once, and we are like, this is our thing. This, is, our this thing. is what the four of us do together. That's how all things start. You <laughs> yeah, know, you do you, you see a pattern and you're just like, let's keep it going. Yes, yeah. it's hard when it's very seasonal. Yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> but true. luckily LA, I feel like has a bunch of haunts year round. I was just singing the praises of the one that we did in that in that house this past Halloween. Oh. What's that one called? Yeah, the one that's delusion? almost like a delusion. Delusion. Yeah. I was just telling people about it. Because it's that. almost like a play. Yeah. You're really watching a story unfold, but you're participating as well. And it was the coolest one I've been to. But it's, yeah. just to let people know, it's not one of those ones where they like fuck around with you and, and mm. pinch you and shock you. They do fuck around with you a but little. But you don't have to sign a waiver or anything. Like there's ones where they really put you through trauma. Yeah. I did go to one called the 17th Door. Mm-hmm. There is a chain from the year maybe 2014. Okay. 20, it's like almost a decade ago. Maybe it's later than that, but it's a group of people who were friends, but it, we, I would say never hung out as that combination of friends. Yeah. 
since then. <laughs> but we were all traumatized by the same thing. We're like, let's just go to this crazy one. We've done all these other ones. Let's do this crazy one. And it's one where you did have to sign a waiver. And we were shocked. <laughs> we were locked in glass cases and Hell coffins. No. Yeah, see, I'm not so sure. I want. There were no. bugs that felt like they were being tortured because they were taped to things. Oh, oh yeah, that's which torture. felt uh, sad. Wrong. And uh, the the name of the chain is Dead Baby Pigs because oh my one of the last things that happened in this haunt, which was really just an assault story <laughs> that we all had to go through, was a woman gave birth to a dead baby pig that was a real dead fetal oh pig that was rubbed all <gasps> over. Us. No, I was running away from it. You need therapy for this. Yeah. This is horrifying. And so afterwards, our friend Ann was like, it was a dead baby pig. It was a dead baby pig. So I'd say like once or twice a year, we just get a text that says it was a dead it baby was a pig. <laughs> and everybody just replies with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, but we'll never go to that. Yes, sure. Please. Yeah. Steak and please. Scares is about eating dead baby pigs <laughs> yes. and going to... Just uh, nice, nice things. Nice haunt yeah, nice just, little haunt. Just about the theming, yes. just about the scare mm, actors yeah, yeah, doing yeah. the thing. Yeah. Well, speaking of dead animals, Corey, what movie are we talking <laughs> oh about God. today? Today we are talking about Ari Aster's 2019 full core film, Midsommar. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, to do it. I don't mind it. you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skull! It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate, I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come. The music is so good. So good. Oh. This movie had a really good ad campaign. Yeah. Across the board, I remember I'm gonna let's let's all go back to a lifetime ago of the year before the pandemic. 2019. Wow. Uh, Justin, what was what was your life like in 2019? <laughs> well, carefree, happy. I looked better. I felt better. Yeah, we uh, can relate. We can relate. Truly, uh, less grief. And yeah. I feel like watch it. This is the first time I've watched this since the mm-hmm. pandemic, mm-hmm. and I felt like I related to yeah. the yes, deep agreed. sadness of it a little bit more. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 2019 is is honestly like something that I look back on as like one of the most recent happy times. I just we got remember married that year. Yeah, it was a big yeah. year. Yeah, our bachelor bachelor parties. Yeah, uh, November. 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 Yeah. November. A good, a great wedding. Yeah. That was like one of the last big 
trips. I honestly do feel like the one (laughs) gift I can take from the pandemic is that I feel like our wedding was the last big thing a lot of people did before lockdown. Mm -hmm. And therefore, like our wedding lives in people's minds. Like, I think it was a really fun wedding, but I think it in people's minds was even more fun than maybe it was oh, yeah. <laughs> because it was like that was the last time we were with people and mm-hmm. partying and exactly. I was like yeah it was a blast yeah. and it was a super blast in hindsight <laughs> <laughs> and honestly 2019 was like an insane movie year we lived down the street from the Arclight theater and i was going there every week i was just walking there because let me let me just read you the list of movies that came out in the year 2019 once upon a time in hollywood wow quentin tarantino parasite Wow. Jordan Peele's Us, The Lighthouse, Midsommar, Uncut Gems, The Irishman. Damn. Under the Silver Lake, Little Women, The Farewell, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, The Souvenir, Marriage Story, Waves, 1917, Joker, It Chapter 2, <laughs> Dr. Sleep. Now we're getting into worse movies yeah, here. But yeah, now you're just listing movies. <laughs> <laughs> but these are all, you know, like them or not, arguably, these are big all movies, big yeah. movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? We haven't had a movie year like that since, I don't think. We talked about that in the Green Mile episode, how 1999 was a huge year for movies. Yeah. Tons of iconic movies came out that year. And I think 2019 is going to be remembered as one of those too. If it's got a nine at the end of the year, then mm-hmm. it's going to be a big wow. movie year. Yeah, I think that is Great significant because we're going into a new decade. And so you're kind of getting the final bow of that decade's thoughts, ideas, themes. Mm-hmm. And you're sort of also introducing what's going to be coming. Yeah. Which I think is a big conversation with this movie because this and Hereditary were both hugely influential on the state of horror that we are currently in right Absolutely. now what was when this movie came out what was your relationship to Ari Aster had you seen Hereditary were you excited for this movie yes I was I was very excited I actually missed Hereditary in theaters and I feel like it had a huge buzz there was like a swell mm-hmm. like in, Big all my, in my friend group and I feel like everybody was like you gotta see it it is so it's fucked up in mm-hmm. a different way than you imagine yep. it's, it's it'll emotionally fuck you mm-hmm. up it was the first time in a while that I was like scared to go see a movie And so then I just didn't. (laughs) Uh, I'm right there on that train with you. I didn't see either of these in theater because I was truly, Jack went and saw Hereditary and he was like, it's so scary. And he told me about the scene that I, sometimes if I think things are too scary, I will make Jack literally go beat for beat through the whole movie and tell me. We'll just go on a long hike and I will just talk the movie. It's just this podcast, essentially. (laughs) Yes, it is where he will explain it all to me. And I was like, I don't think I can handle that. And I don't, I think I saw, did I see Midsommar first? Was that, because yeah. after Jack mm-hmm. saw Midsommar, he was like, I think that you can handle it. And I was like, no, I can't. Like I, I had built it up in my head so much that I was like, I cannot yes. see this movie. I can't do it. And then we watched it maybe Way later. in the pandemic. I think during the pandemic. Was when and I was like, oh my God, I fucking love this movie. And then I went back. And now I feel like it did kind of like break this seal for me where I'm like excited to go see horror movies again. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. I know a lot of people who still haven't seen Midsommar because the trauma of Hereditary was so deep. Depending on who you're talking to, some would say that Midsommar is far less traumatic than- I would say, I would say, scary-wise, I would say, for sure. Yeah. Hereditary is a much more visceral horror film. It's more intense, particularly in its third act. And it, I think Midsommar is much funnier, yes, too. Much, much funnier, funnier movie. But I wait, wait, left. wait. We, I interrupted mm-hmm. Justin. Go back to your relationship oh, yeah. when it first came out. Oh, so I had seen Hereditary finally. And, and when I did watch it, I, I watched it alone. And I was like, oh. You watched Hereditary alone? Just at home. And wow. it was not, uh, it didn't 
I expected it to be a lot scarier because of the hype. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that one very literally impactful moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I think is fucked up. I think it's like all the stuff with the little sister. Yeah. Is so devastating and like yes. visceral. Yeah. yeah. His movies uh, are almost more disturbing than they are like scary. Yes. And then so when I went to see Midsommar, Marissa and I went to see it. She still hasn't seen Hereditary, so I'm excited to rewatch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we saw that in a the theater, but I missed the first. I didn't know how much I missed. So we walked in in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, where it's sad. Yeah. 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 Very yeah. sad, very gray. But I, we were like, how much of this did we miss? And after rewatching, I've learned it was like 30 seconds, but uh, but loved it, like truly loved it. But also was kind of confused, you know, like I feel like his movies I've only seen. This is the first one I've watched a second time. Mm-hmm. And it made me want to rewatch all of mm-hmm. them because I was like, oh, I think you're just digesting like the fucked up emotional state yes. <laughs> of all mm-hmm. of them like also like the weird assaultive imagery yeah and just kind of like weird original ideas that it's like rewatching it was real the fun to watch imagery it. is such a good point because i feel like there's which we'll when we get into the movie but i feel like that happens a lot in this where i'm like no why why did you mm-hmm. just make me look yeah. at that i said fuck you out loud yeah to the movie in midsummer yeah i was like mad at <laughs> ari aster uh-huh. uh, a person i don't know <laughs> yeah. uh but then i was like so impressed on this this rewatch mm-hmm. yeah i think all of his movies open up more with rewatches, which is, I think, the sign of a really good filmmaker that mm-hmm. they there's just consideration in everything. You know, there's there's meaning behind all the production design, the costume design. It's filled with tons of little details that you can really unpack his movies in a fun way. And it's you can see if you go to like the Reddit threads of these movies. I mean, people yeah. have conspiracy theories. I mean, just theories galore with all of his movies. It does make me interested to rewatch Bo is Afraid. Me too, mm-hmm. which yeah. we all saw together. We, yes, did. we did. We, we, the three of us saw the movie at the same time in two separate theaters at the same theater. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess we didn't see it together. We but saw we, it about 10 minutes apart from each other. 10 minutes apart because we couldn't get tickets to the same thing. But then we all had dinner afterwards yeah. and discussed. So it feels like we all saw it together. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like we, it was our first time, and Jack yes. had already seen it the night before, which mm-hmm. is insane. Yes. I need some time away from it to then go back, I feel like. Yeah, when I saw Hereditary for the first time, I had heard all the hype about it too and had a similar experience where I was like, well, that definitely was not what I expected based on what I had heard, but I loved it. Mm -hmm. For the most part, it's kind of this haunted, melodramatic family trauma movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point in time, that was not in vogue. Nope. That's very in vogue now due to these two movies. People are copy Ari Aster constantly. Every horror movie now is about deep-seated trauma (laughs) from some event. And that's always been a little bit a part of horror for for forever, but now it's like a prerequisite to going into a horror movie. Do you think anything has done as good a job, even if it's a different style of horror movie? Like, are the copycat movies any good? For the most part, no, honestly. I mean, like, what I find that a lot of the imitators, they're just the most boring movies I've ever seen (laughs) because they're trying to do this sort of slow dread and they're spending a lot of time with characters' trauma, but they're doing it with not as good of a script. I'm also shocked at how much of a copy that so many movies do of the exact shots that Ari oh, yeah. shoots. The like the quick like day to night things mm-hmm. or the match cuts. Yeah, the match cut like turning the camera upside down is a yeah, huge thing. So now. many movies do that now and I'm like, is I guess you can and I guess everybody's like, you know, that happened with Quentin Tarantino and, and all, mm-hmm. like things like that. You can feel the influence big time in the movie Smile. 
Now, I like Smile because I think Smile did a smart thing. Did you see it? No. What that filmmaker did smartly was he took the sort of aesthetics of Hereditary and Midsommar, but then kind of injecting it with this sort of like high octane, <laughs> I'm going to do a jump scare literally every There's two so minutes. so many jump scares. At first I was like, this is cheap. It's just jump scare after jump scare. But then it actually started to transcend itself a little bit where it's like, I don't fucking care. I know I just did a jump scare two minutes ago. I'm going to give you another one. And two minutes from now, I'm going to give you another one. I, that sounds fun to me. I it, think going it started in, to feel like a ride. it's going to be. Yes. yes, it did. It felt like a spook, like a haunt. Yeah. yeah. The theater was screaming their asses yeah. off. So I was like, at least it was entertaining. It, was, it wasn't trying to be boring. It wasn't trying to do the slow dread uh, thing. Just wait. That just reminded me. <laughs> the only time I've ever, because I get jump scares, I'm... A fucking sucker. I scream mm -hmm. like I'm the person in the theater that people are like laughing at because like I yell. I'm like, ah, I get so scared. The only time I've, I've ever seen Jack get like a true scare was when we were watching the show Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yeah, yeah. The haunt. Do, did you watch that show? I did. Yeah. Okay. Do you there's a towards the end of the scene, like once you season it's a like car. Everybody's, yes, I know. Yes, I, like, the, immediately, that yes. is the jump scare yeah. of the scene. That was like, well, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Because that, it literally comes out of nowhere. There's a jump scare it in a car. You into and thinking Jack it's not going to happen. Didn't just go like, ooh, scared. <laughs> <laughs> Fully sat up and like, ah! <laughs> for like that long. It may be the most a jump scare has ever It made wow. me cry laughing because <laughs> I've never seen ever, ever Jack And I react just had like to that. give it up. I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. You turned me into a dog who was nervous about fireworks. <laughs> but there's really not, um, there's not a lot of jump scares in Ari Aster movies. That's even why in I Hereditary. think they almost scare me more is because I'm like, like a, like a scary movie like Smile is not scary for me to go to the theater store because I'm like, okay, I know what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. I'm going to yeah. be hiding a lot of it. It's going to be jump I'm going to just scares. crouch in my seat. A hundred percent. I will plug my ears. That's I will cover I my do. eyes. Don't care. I will do it. Mm -hmm. But with Hereditary and Midsommar, the things that, the little bits I was getting from people, I was like, oh no, this is going to fuck me up in the brain and I can't handle it. Well, I think what both of the movies do so well is before any traditional horror stuff happens, both of Hereditary and Midsommar introduce like real life horror mm -hmm. that are put you on an edge for the then more traditional horror to work better for you. Because when you walk into a horror movie, I think most people just don't expect to be disturbed by something that feels so viscerally real, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah. and, and he's, tapping into things that I think are true fears of people that maybe you wouldn't, th it's not a fear of clowns. It's not a fear of heights. It's like fear of like the death of your loved ones. Yeah. Things that when you watch it in the movie, it really puts you in the mindset of like, good Lord, what would I fucking do? Then you start the journey of the traditional horror film, which I think is very smart of what he does. And it's obviously what he's most interested in too, which I think is why when you see Bo is Afraid, He's moving further from the horror genre, but going deeper into the sort of like disturbing real life stuff. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any of his short films? I haven't. I've heard of one of them that I feel like is controversial. Probably the strange thing about the Johnsons. Yes. Yeah. And after I saw Hereditary, I heard about this shocking short film that he had made at AFI. So I went and looked that up and I won't say what that movie's about, but I'll say it's really fucked up. It's not gory at all. But you should watch it because it's not scary. 
Jack had told me. It's conceptually me fucked it's up. It's fucked up to where I avoided it for so long. And then he just fucking beat me down to being like, you just have to watch <laughs> it. I was like, you have to watch and it. What then, a good partner. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good husband. Um, but And then I watched it. And it is really fucked up, the idea of it. But it wasn't like scare like i was like okay i can handle this but it's disturbing it's yes and it's disturbing when i watched that it suddenly clicked to me what kind of a film what he was interested in truly mm-hmm. and i i called it right after i saw that i said i bet you his next movie is gonna not even be a horror movie which wasn't true because midsummer is technically i think you could qualify as a horror movie but it was in some sense you could see him in midsummer pulling away a little bit he's He's focusing more attention on the aspects of movies that he's interested in, which I think is the things that are truly disturbing about life rather than like supernatural things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's also really interested in process with this movie. This is this is a very meticulous movie about ceremonies and traditions. You get way more of that than you get of like somebody popping out of the shadows and killing somebody. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And it's like meticulously crafted. Mm-hmm. That was what I was noticing on this rewatch. I was like, God damn, he is so... Good. Every shot, oh, every yeah. cut, everything is like, I don't know, masterful. Totally. And I sound like up my own ass, but I'm like, those are the words. Like, yes. I was like, it's true. I was just really impressed with the technique. Yes. Yeah. This watch, I was feeling the same thing the whole time. I was like, this is so, like, I, I was just noticing all these things that I had never noticed before like when they're like on the drug trips like even like in the corners of the screen you're like oh that's moving over there like Mm -hmm. wait what's in the trees over there like it's just so impressive it is truly an impressive movie and and i do think it gets better every time you watch it because you notice more things Mm -hmm. like that and you are able to just sort of absorb how considered everything is and for this to be his second movie and have such a deep layered just crap in the in terms of craft i don't want to praise it too early but it feels like a movie like the shining that is still being studied and picked apart today for how deep that movie goes i kind of feel like this movie is on a very similar level to just how deep you can mine what he's doing and 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 how it works and for it to be so successful in in how it works. I mean, speaking of The Shining, I noticed a little Easter egg to The Shining in there. Wait, what? Danny's covers in her bedroom. The pattern of the blanket that she has in that big like room where they all sleep is just like a blue and white version of the Overlook <gasps> Hotel carpet. Because wow. I was like, wait a minute, I know that carpet. Is oh. that that carpet? That's that carpet. Which is honestly, I didn't even notice that. So yeah, I want to go look for that. And and I like it because. I've seen that pattern show up in a lot of movies that are referencing The Shining, but totally. they they use the actual pattern. And to me, when I see it, I kind of am like, come on, it's it's so overused. But the fact that he turned it blue, <laughs> he turned it, it blue his and own white set design, right. and, it, and it blends in so well. He's not trying to call attention to it. It's not a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing. And that's kind of I was like, wow, for him to be able to use something that I normally find obnoxious when people throw yes. into things. I'm I'm impressed. It's like yeah. hiding in plain sight. Once you see it, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's in. She, like, yeah, I can't her bed. wait to go look. And yeah. like, she is, you know, like the implication. Uh, I mean, he's also just movie nerding out. Yes. Where he's like, I like Kubrick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like that movie at least. But uh, I feel like I'm like the fact that she is sleeping in the Overlook Hotel. Yes. yes as oh, an idea is Justin, like, it's literally giving me chills. <laughs> you're saying it. I'm like, wow. Because that is such a parallel to like what this experience Absolutely. is. It is this like 
weird off balance. What can you trust? Who can you sort of trust? There's also a number of Wizard of Oz references in the movie. When they when they enter the village, they're walking along a path where all those yellow flowers are oh. growing. So that's a little yellow brick road. At the beginning of the movie, when you're in uh, the the apartment that all the guys share, there's a picture of the scarecrow on the back wall. And we from, got scarecrows from the Wizard of Oz. by the end. Oh, yeah, and yeah, by do. the end, one of the characters literally gets turned filled with hay and turned into a scarecrow. Um, the cowardly bear man. Mm-hmm. Hey. Yeah, I mean, I think you could maybe point to all the characters <laughs> yeah. and say that they are, like she's Dorothy and Christian is the cowardly lion and Mark is the scarecrow. Well, we got a freshman year Josh, college essay. Man. Yeah, yeah. Thesis <laughs> paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the paintings in their apartments also sort of reflect like Danny has a painting of a little girl with the standing in front of a big a bear. bear. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was, I noticed that this time. I was like, "Wait a minute!" Well, that's crazy. This rewatch, um, and maybe this is like so obvious, but I d- had never noticed it before. Like the first image that we get is the it looks like a painting yeah. on the wall, mm-hmm. and it's the entire film. Like it's like every scene of yeah. the movie. You're like, "Oh, okay, I could know how this movie ends." Mm-hmm. And that's what I missed shot. the first time I saw it. Oh, there you go. So it was fun. I was like, "Oh, it opens with this kind of like." This is what you're going to see. Yeah. Fantastical like story. Right. Um, Or fairy tale or folk tale. Right. It's so good. Yeah. How did you watch the movie? Streaming? Mm -hmm. So I streamed it, uh, but I learned truly like the day before from a friend that there was a director's cut. Didn't know that there was. And I was like, well, I'm going to rewatch it. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, 23 minutes of extra footage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Okay. I'll watch the almost three hour version. Yes. Of this. <laughs> um, and so it's not available to rent. So I ended up, maybe this is relevant to the podcast. Yeah. Right? Buying it, but oh, yeah. the digital version. So oh. I now own Midsommar. I have very few digitally owned movies. Yeah. I, I have the same thing. There are a couple that I'm like, I had to buy it over pandemic. Where yeah. I was like, okay, I have Freaky. Yeah. <laughs> you know where I was like I wanted to watch it but like you couldn't rent you it, couldn't rent it yeah. and I was like okay I guess I always have freaky uh, which was like fine. no matter what I, I don't always know if I'll ever rewatch freaky. it yeah. Yeah. Uh, had a good time sure but this I was like oh it comes with all the extras and mm-hmm. stuff and so I was that's how I watched it. I have that same nice. copy too but I, then that's what I bought first and I think it was also pandemic and then later on for my birthday my buddy Sharif Got me this incredible director's cut special edition that comes in this cloth Beautiful. case. It looks like a book. It's almost too big to even be on a DVD shelf. So Annoying. I've been keeping it in the bookshelf. <laughs> and I got to say, I actually prefer the director's cut to the theatrical cut. Uh, we'll kind of get into what all the differences of those are since we both watched that version of it. But it's great. It has like 60 something pages with all the original artwork that was made uh, for the movie, ooh. which again, just more incredible detail. These are all things that are in the film. And then there's a great little um, foreword by Martin Scorsese, who is a massive, massive Ari Aster fan. What a dream. You're like 30 can you years imagine? old. He loves and, that. Yeah. He loves Pearl. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He can loves... you imagine making your first film... Ugh. And somebody like Scorsese is like out there singing your fucking praises. I mean, it's Scorcrazy. <laughs> if I'm being honest, it's Scor. Or excuse me, Scorcrazy. Scorcrazy. Uh, he's uh, one quote from the from his little forward. He says, "I can tell you there are true visions in this picture, particularly in the final stretch that you are not likely to forget. I certainly haven't." It was interesting because I think that's the stuff that stuck with me because I didn't remember so much of the movie. I think the stuff Mm -hmm. that stuck out were like some of the weird trippier sequences or just the vibe or feeling of like, I just remember that it was like 
you kind of felt like you were lost and like almost like underwater, like grasping, yeah, sure, you know, g- gasping for air <laughs> by yeah. the end of it. Um, but I was like, oh, there's so much in here, and I think there were 23 added minutes that I was unsure if I had seen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that later I was like, that was new, but there was stuff that I didn't remember that I was like, there's just so much memorable stuff. Yeah, like, and uh, the uh, the casting is so incredible. Like the acting in this movie, the performances is across the board from every single yeah. so good. He's so good at directing actors. Yes. And I know casting is a huge part of it where it's like, yeah, you got really good actors, but we've all seen movies with like great actors where it's like, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's the fact that he, I think there's so many filmmakers that are technical craftsmen Mm -hmm. who the acting isn't great. Mm -hmm. Yes. But you're like, I'm here for it. And I know that I'm not going to get, it's going to be a little bit more like surface level, wooden, whatever. Especially with a horror film. Exactly. And and this, I feel like... you know, it's like he's built all these sets. I mean, a whole group of people did, but like yeah. managed to build all the practical stuff. Yeah. In fact, there are all these people. I think that was, that's what I loved about it too. Mm. It was like, I'm just like rambling at this point. No, but, like, but for sure. Seeing so many actors and it's like in an age where it's like extras are digitized. Oh my God. You know, yeah. Uh, which is why we should be striking. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, like when, when things are digital and you know, the fact that everything was built and yeah. you know he used- and you can feel it the movie takes pains to show you characters walking from one building to another yes. often and so you really get the sense of like i'm in a real space here none of this was put in later none of this is green screen and that you get that appreciation of just practical filmmaking. is better yeah. technology is ruining we things. have this cinderella yeah. carriage that we have for like five seconds yeah, i know, you know. the oh. fucking bear like yeah. somebody had to create a, a big old bear carcass for for what's in the movie for the arguably flower dress which by the way if you're in los angeles you can see in real life at yes. the academy museum Ooh, mm-hmm. i still gotta go oh, the, the academy, academy museum, museum is, is so fun we're pushing the academy museum like i know we every are episode sponsors <laughs> for it we would love to be we do truly you. love it it's a great time they have insane gift shop it's if you have a movie lover in your life that you need to get a birthday or christmas present it's the for, place to go go to the academy this museum. feels like an npr pledge drive. <laughs> Like you've interrupted your own podcast to do an ad. If you have a movie lover in your life, we just love it. But whatever you, genre, you can see the flower, the flower costume, and it's really incredible. It's really to cool. See it's in insane. Person. It's yeah. so beautiful. The the costume designer, what is her name? Andrea Fleisch. She is incredible. And I watched an interview with Florence Pugh talking about how heavy that dress was it and how she like would it. just have to stay in it between cuts and they would have to like have little fans for her yeah. and stuff and she couldn't move anywhere. Oh, yeah. And we can't not mention Florence Pugh. I, I mean, mean, it yes, goes without saying she's incredible. Movie. She's always been incredible, but I think this was probably the movie that introduced her to. That was my introduction to her. Yeah. I, same, I was like, same who movie. is this person? They're- because this was the same year as Little Women, correct? Yeah. Which was she was it? nominated it was, for mm-hmm. an Oscar. Wow. So Little Women came yeah. many months after this. So by the time Little Women started being like promoted and all she was that. already a big one. everybody was already yeah. excited about her no florence Pugh, i think is my favorite actress of the moment like she's um, one of the most exciting yeah she yet. everything that she does i'm excited to see before this you know some people probably had seen her she'd done a movie called lady macbeth that was really good mm-hmm. but i didn't see till after this she also did a movie called fighting with my family it's like a wrestling movie that was awesome. Really fun, yeah, good movie. Yeah, we liked it. Um, and she was on a TV show called um, Little Drummer Boy. Did anybody ever see that? Little mm. Drummer Boy. I think that's a song and it's a Christmas song. Jack. Thank you. <laughs> Jack, you're very confused. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen um, Jingle Bells? <laughs> it's really good. It's Florence Pugh's in it, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. really in it. Batman's in it, too. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joker got away. <laughs> 
Well, before we get too much further, let's take a quick break and we'll come right back to talk more about Midsommar. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to Cinema Possessed. We are talking Midsommar. So we'll just go through some highlight sequences. Talk them. I think the opening sequence of this movie. The opening sequence is what kept me from seeing the movie. It's maybe the most disturbing thing in the ja- movie. When Jack opinion. described it to me, I was like, nope, never going to see that movie. It's almost like a short film that opens the movie. You meet Florence Pugh as Danny. She has a sister who is bipolar and has left a cryptic message. And she can't get a hold of her. Danny ends up getting a phone call from an unknown number, cut to her boyfriend, Christian, who is hanging out with his friends. And so you get to meet all of them. And you find out that he's clearly going to break up with her. He just doesn't have like the guts to do it. And they're all telling him like, you got to just break up with this girl. And then he gets a phone call from Danny and he picks it up and you just hear this wailing cry. wailing cry. That like deep, heavy cry like made me want to cry immediately. And and it was like also the hard cut to it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's over the phone. You just hear it. But I think that's what makes it real. I think that's the real, like having, I don't know, I think we all uh, have experienced grief, Uh either like global or personal. Yeah, Uh, Hard shit happens in life. Mm -hmm. You're not in an ideal place. You you get a phone call. Mm -hmm. Having experienced recently a similar phone call, it was like it tapped into something that I was like, oh my, like that just hearing a scream like that is just so real. It's triggering. Yeah. Yeah, It's really triggering. What ends up being revealed is that her sister has not only committed suicide, but she also killed Danny's parents oh, at the same God. time. It's like your biggest fear happening. And it's, re- like. it's revealed in this really compelling slow motion sequence where you're, you're getting dealt the information very slowly, where you see red and blue lights of like emergency vehicles as like a garage opens. And you're seeing these firefighters go in and turn these two cars off in the garage. And then you follow them out, and as you follow them out, you see that there are hoses attached to the exhaust pipes, and yeah. then you just follow these hoses into the house. One of the hoses is going into a bedroom that has been taped shut, and the firefighters push it open, and you see it's the bedroom where her parents are sleeping, and they're just laying motionless in a bed. And then you end up following the second hose into this other room where her sister is sitting with a hose that she's duct taped to her own face. 
And it's the most disturbing image, I think, in the movie. Yeah. And then the, the camera slowly pushes in on her computer that's sitting behind her, and you see all the messages Danny has been writing her that have been unchecked. There's this shot where Christian, her boyfriend, you see him walking up to her apartment, and you can hear her wails uh. coming from outside. And he, you can see this look on his face where he's just like, what the fuck am I about to walk into? And he has to go hold her as she just screams in pain. And the camera does this great push in where it pushes past him into the window as the snow is falling. The music is swelling. And then all of a sudden these like tribal drums come in as like the A24 presents. Ugh, it's like chills. I gotta be fucking honest. This is this is a disturbing sequence. But the first time I saw it in the theaters, I wanted to stand up and cheer because it's so well done. Yes, that was my first of four notes. Was holy shit! That opening cut to titles <laughs> did not expect it. Going in with Marissa, I was like, "Oh, you're gonna, you know, like I think yeah. you like Hereditary. You haven't seen that, but like." This one looks colorful and bright <laughs> yeah. and fun. And, and You're going all- into a folk horror movie. You do not expect yeah. this opening. And she was excited about that aspect of it. I mean, she likes other stuff yeah. too. But And then so I was, it was kind of like, what did we go to? Yeah. Like, yeah. is this, it, I think like you, talking about it, like uh, the, just the opening, the actual like murder suicide. Mm-hmm. That was like one of the two moments when I first saw the movie that I was like almost angry at. I was like, this feels like exploitation. This yeah. feels like so over the top. This feels shitty to to put upon people. And I didn't necessarily feel that way by the end of watching it the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But rewatching it, I'm like, and kind of like what you were saying, it sort of recontextualized it where I'm like, yeah, like this is the gutting horror that needs to happen. Because like we start in this gray, dark, horrible place emotionally, visually. Winter. Winter, exactly. And it's like, we need to lure her into something. Right. And to not have anybody to oh, care for yes. you which is like such a good setup for somebody who gets inducted into a cult mm-hmm. which is Absolutely. like that's what cults do they take people at their lowest yeah they prey on people who are hurt and you lost damaged. everybody it's like she lost her entire family entire at once family, yeah. and has this shitty ass boyfriend yeah, yeah. It's, and like, it's brilliant yeah. because it's this traumatic incident becomes the thing that truly glues them together. Yes. He wanted to break up with her before this, yes. but now that this has happened... What would keep you in yes. a relationship you don't want He doesn't be. have exactly. the heart. He doesn't have the balls. He can't do it. I would say the actor's telling himself, I don't have the heart for this because they need to like their character a little bit. Yeah. Watching it, I'm like, this guy doesn't have the balls. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I don't think he cares. Yeah, he doesn't. Oh, th- I'm sure he would love more than anything now to get this, get rid of her, but he just can't do it. He He's such a little balls, coward. Yeah. I love, But it's like, that's real. I think yeah. there is, like, we've all been in places where it's like, Oh, I got to be here for somebody I love, but I'm exhausted. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's like, oh, you know, hopefully that's like a moment and not like the entire <laughs> yeah. relationship. Yeah. We've talked before about how horror movies are oftentimes a Trojan horse to talk about something else. In the Fly episode, we talked about how that was about really a movie about like having some a loved one who's like dying from an illness. And that's turning kind of into a fly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all can relate. And this movie is basically a breakup movie at its core. Outside of all the sort of horror elements, this is really about finding your true family and getting rid of the sort of toxic people in your life, even if they are, you know, uh, the only people you have in your life. Mm-hmm. I think it's sort of at the core of the, the themes of this movie. Before we leave this opening, I do want to point out, since this is a physical media podcast, when Corey and I rewatched this movie with our friend Marianne, we decided that the the director's cut would be too long for for that viewing. So we decided to watch the theatrical cut 
on the streaming purchase that you also have. Your purchase came with both, right? It did. I wonder if yours has this too. At the end of that amazing opening sequence, when the camera pushes in on the window and that music hits, no credits came up. It just sat on the snow for for the extended period of the song until it then smashed to the next scene. Oh, it credits never, came up in, in mine. In the director's cut, it does. Director's cut. Go home and check that theatrical cut. Oh, just watch is. that. Just watch the credits part and see if they're on there. They were not on mine, which is Jack utter got so mad. It's garbage. You're paying for it. It sucked, especially for something that every time I watch this movie, I look forward to that moment when it says A24 presents. Also, the the font. Elevated horror movies often have the smallest font. <laughs> I noticed that on a lot of A24. One time, Justin and I were. Somebody mentioned that they were looking to hear pitches for a new scary movie. This was right after The Witch came out. Mm -hmm. We never ended up getting to pitch it, but our idea was like, the, if you're going to reboot scary movie, it should be like the elevated horror. Right, like should, a self-serious yeah. parody. It should be a parody of <laughs> yeah. like all the A24 stuff. And the, first, the really the only joke we thought of is that it would open with the smallest font <laughs> in the credits. Like you just could not read <laughs> yeah. anything. That's really funny. That was the only joke we really thought of. I, th I think about it now and I'm like, I wouldn't even want to fucking see that movie anymore because Twitter and social media kind of grabs all the parody jokes and turns them into memes before a movie could ever do it. It's, yeah, hard. Like parody movies seem to be kind of dead now. And I think it's because the internet wiped yeah. them out. Yeah. You can press a button and make a joke and then it's like, oh, we've already seen this. Well, com that's all comedy. <laughs> like internet comedy is. And I feel like a lot of people's sense of humor is anymore is just. Memes. Like is memes is mm -hmm. like parroting is like saying the thing that they saw. And it's like, well, that's yeah. not really a joke. You're just saying the thing. You saw, yeah, you're repeating okay. it. I think that's why no more. Why no more parody. They're kind of dead being made, uh, which I'm not. I feel like the older I got, the more I was like, oh, these are like the lowest common denominator <laughs> yeah. movies. They're my favorite as a kid. Yeah. Well, um, I think they served a purpose back when we didn't have everybody talking about the same thing all at once. So when you go watch, you go, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It serves a purpose of like mm -hmm. being the dialogue for you when you don't have the internet. But now Twitter is the dialogue. And so you don't need the parody movie anymore. Movies move slow. Like it takes three, four years to make a fucking movie. You're never going to be able to catch up with the times. And that's there's something what sort of sad. Is for. <laughs> I guess that's true. I mean, yeah, it is like re relegated to sketch comedy. And even then, it's like still feels late. Dated. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. it still like, feels late. Well, I guess I don't want, I, I guess parody isn't the problem. I guess it's like reference based. That is jokes. exactly yeah. what it is. Because there's so much like, a direct like you're just kind of repeating the joke it's reference based and, or, and reference stuff is is easy I, I think there still is like good parody but yeah. it's like you have to have you just have to have a little more meat on the bones yes. mm -hmm. yeah this movie is like one of my all time favorite asshole cast groups cast holes yeah cast, cast holes. holes a lot of horror movies build their primary protagonist cast out of assholes because then they can pick them off and you don't really mind it too much and sometimes that results in unlikable characters to me, I kind of love all these characters, even though majority of them, all of them except for Florence Pugh's character, yep. are assholes in one way or another. Yeah. But they're assholes you know. Yes. yes. They're, or they're are. certain parts yes. of your like, little yeah. shadow cells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the, for sure. Coming out of this movie the first time I saw it, this is almost embarrassing to say, but I was like really considering myself as a boyfriend. Yeah. And I saw things in the way that Danny and Christian fight with each other and the things he does to sort of slyly manipulate her. I was like, 
I feel like I maybe do that sometimes. Yes. Like he's I can say that when I've spied on you guys when you're fighting, <laughs> you are gaslighting Corey. Yeah, yeah. 100%. The way the very specific way that he writes those scenes and the way he does gaslight her felt so it punched me in the gut a little bit. And it really I came out of the movie being like I need to be a better boyfriend. <laughs> hey, that's a good movie right yeah. there. Exactly. But I think that's why people hate these characters. Yes. I think yes. like it's why people love like reality TV. Uh, yeah, is I feel like it's like these these are people these people are bad yes. and I'm good and it's like the dumber version of like mm-hmm. uh, you know you can look down on people. But I think people often don't like movies like these Ari Aster films because I feel like either people love them or I have friends who are like he's sick. I, can you what yeah. kind of sick fuck makes these <laughs> movies? And it's like I don't know. He's just kind of revealing like humanity right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it, and it is ugly truth. and gross but i think it is like that thing where it's like yeah the people you usually like are annoyed by or hate the most are like they usually have like little qualities of yourself that you don't like mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. and and back to the humor of the movie i think they're all so fucking funny oh my god I'm, so funny i think uh the guy who plays christian jack rayner as a physical performance from from the way he moves his eyes his facial reactions to certain things the sex scene He's very oh funny. God. Oh, so funny. He's playing Everything reality. Yeah. Like, what? Him walking to that cabin for the sex <laughs> yes. scene, and he is so fucking funny. Will Poulter is so funny. Is Will he the, 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 the funniest Mark? one? Yes. Yeah, he's the fool. God, he's so fucking funny. Because <laughs> I, fr- I remembered him being funny. Like the I had forgotten why he was funny, because it's yeah. been since 2019, and that feels like a decade ago. It does. When I saw his face, I was like, I love this guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was so good. He was like such a perfect shitty bro. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's so funny too because he's had such like a glow up this year. Oh, he's like a hottie bow body now. What else is he in? The well, bear. The bear. He, well, he's in a lot of stuff coming up, but he's uh, in actually our friend um, Stacy Oseka Four. Her her um, the episode she wrote on the bear episode four. He's like the other man. I haven't seen season two. Is it's he great. in season one? He, he's not in season one. He's only That's in why. one episode of season two. Gotcha. But he's they have him like he's like very buff now, and they have him like kind of tatted up, and he's a pastry chef, and it's just you know playing into. Oh beautiful mm-hmm. man fantasies and yeah he's had quite the glow up and he's like everywhere now and just the introduction of the other characters who not just at the bar but mm-hmm. once she gets invited to yeah. go on the trip and then meeting the group the four group of men yes. all of them are kind of despicable in ways but are also so relatable like even mark who you're immediately like you're the jackass <laughs> yeah. it's like you also still, you're like, really? You invited your girlfriend right. on this trip? Like, yeah. you kind of are on his side in that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, we all know you hate her. Why We've did you We've all had the experience her? of, like, hey, like, I, I, this was supposed to be just a buddy's thing. Yes, yep. yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and sometimes you like people's partners. Other yeah, times other you're like, oh, yeah. you don't, no. I really don't want that person there. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm down to hang out with them if that's what's planned. Yeah, exactly. We all know somebody, too, who talks shit about their partner, but then when you have to hang out with their partner, you're like, but all I really know about them is all the shit you've talked about. Yes. Them. And yeah. I feel like that's the thing with this group of friends. He clearly goes to them and vents everything about her to them. And so they are just like, why would we like her? I also think it's interesting that William Jackson Harper is the only actual American in this movie. Yeah. And all in of, terms the of the other actors, actors are wow. like you hear uh, Christian and Jack Trainer. He's like, he's Irish. Oh, I love this movie. It's a fun. Damn, oh, a good, good accents all around. British, yeah. Florence Pugh. I'm like, God, they're so good. Wait, mm-hmm. even Broy guy. Yeah. Yes. Wow. He's British. Wow. Yeah. They're so much better at our accent than we are at theirs. All of them. They have to. 
If they want to get work in America, they have to be able to speak. And yeah. they do it well. We don't have to do that as no. American. We're like, yeah, put me in a Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, William Jackson Harper, I agree. I feel like first watch, I was like, okay, he's going to be like one of the like better guys. Yes. And I think, one, the director's cut makes him shittier earlier. A little bit. Yeah. Yes, I think he's it does. like reading some Nazi shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that wasn't in the original. Now, yeah, that's one of the deleted scenes. Which yeah. is one of those where it's like, oh, he's one of those dudes who you know, dissociates from, you know, like the like the ramifications of like what they're reading and like kind of minimizes. Yes. Uh, it's like, well, the intellectual goal doesn't supersede the human goal. Right. Uh, and you're like steeping yourself in garbage. Right. He, he feels mm-hmm. like the character in an alien movie where it's like, we can blow up the eggs. And he's like, no, we have to save them for research. Exactly. Like that's <laughs> exactly. his MO. I think what that's also implying is that the Harga are a little bit of like a white supremacist. Group. Oh yeah, I guess so. Because if he's like reading up on that, he's studying yeah. their language. A lot of these customs that this village does are Viking customs. Well, Vikings never did anything yeah, wrong. Exactly. Right? <laughs> uh, they were all cool. All those cool runes and stuff haven't been appropriated by like alt right white supremacy groups today, too. Nope. <laughs> and apparently, the sign that they pass under there's that really great shot where the where the camera flips upside down, and then you see the sign, and it says like "Welcome to Halsinglad." Apparently, uh, written on there is something that is like a white supremacy kind of. It's like keep your people clean or something like that. A pure or, place, yeah, p- so something that kind of a yeah. something along those lines. But even I think uh, this rewatch, this rewatch, really push my glasses <laughs> up uh, into my brain. Uh, oh, I feel like his the nuance of his acting was so good. Where like when she arrives uh-huh. and then Christian goes into the other room and she has to sit there with. Uh, Pele Pele and Josh yeah Josh does not respond to her he gets up he yep. goes to get coffee he does not like when you know somebody's fucking yes, whole family yes, died well you do yeah. even if you don't like them you're like hey how are you like uh-huh, I'm yeah. so sorry even if it's awkward you're kind of like I'm going to be present. And he just, kinda, it's all in his like eye acting. Like he like mm-hmm. looks over and he's like, oh, it's so good. I don't want to fucking deal with this. Yeah. He's so selfish. Yeah. And yeah. he like gets up. He like he tries to avoid interacting as much as possible. So the only person she can talk to is the fucking cultist who's there. <laughs> yes. like, you know what? It, it like is so mathematically expertly yep. like. Uh, so when we were watching it this time around, mm-hmm. I kept being like making Jack pause it. And I was like, do you think this that he already is this all knows, a trick is this all a trick like is pele already like she's going to be the may queen like how early do you think he's planning or do you think that happens once they get there that he knows that these are going to be his human sacrifices that she's going to be the special one yeah i think that's the question is like how yeah. much is planned because like i i i was like i left rewatching this with the same question where i was like did they choose her ahead of time are people falling down in order to allow her this to become the I'm May Queen? Too. I think it's up for interpretation. There's actually a theory that I don't, I don't buy into, but there is a theory that Pele killed her family in order to do it. No. I don't think it runs that deep. No, I don't think it runs that deep. No. But there, there's all sorts of there's a lot of cockamamie theories about this movie. And that's just one of them. To I me, that's like a level of fandom that uh, is is just like inventing their own version yep. of a yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, cool, you, you're allowed to. It's yours now. But that's <laughs> not in the text. Yeah. Another big memorable sequence is obviously when they actually enter into they they get to Sweden. I love this sequence so much because this is the first time that we see them all do drugs together. <sighs> What time is it? It's 9 p.m. What do you mean? What do you mean? That can't be right. The sky is blue. It's fine. It's Sweden. 
That's not fine. Why is it like that? It's okay, Mark. It's the midnight sun. That feels wrong. I don't like that. I promise you it's okay. I'm not okay. Oh, fuck. It's a new person. What? I don't want new people right now. No, new people are good, Mark. Hi, hi. I'm just gonna lay down, okay? Yeah, do that. Everybody else lay down. Guys, do it, it feels so nice. Josh, can you lie down, please? Can you feel that? The energy coming up from the earth? And we just recently watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas for an episode, and I had thought, like, oh, this is such a good representation of what it's like to be on drugs. No. This movie, I feel like, is the number one best movie (laughs) that describes what tripping feels well, like and part the of it fear, is that, the excitement yeah. what you're at the visualness i'm like that is exactly what i saw and like yeah. it's subtle it's not heavy-handed mm-hmm. and it's all rooted in the emotion of the actor mm-hmm. whereas fear and loathing is very showy with its depictions of psychedelia and it's like moving the walls and having people float and doing all the crazy lights and colors and stuff which is Sometimes effective in Fear and Loathing. We've just seen it so much. Exactly. Yes. The way this movie depicts it, that is the it's way just things wiggling. look. Wallpapers, exactly. wig- like the yes. pattern is wiggling. And like it, yeah, exactly. And that feeling, like that. there's that really funny moment where- <laughs> where, <laughs> where Will Poulter's like, I don't want any new people. Yes. He, he's so, so fun. funny. He was like, I'm going to lie down. Can everybody lie down too, please? Guys, I need you to lie down too. It's like, those are the emotions yes. that you feel when you're on drugs that make this feel so authentic. Even though there are like, Little touches of it, you you see the trees breathing, and there's that great shot where the camera pushes in, and then it pans down to her hand, and she's got grass growing out of that, her hand. Yeah. Oh, that was such a disturbing and image. Every now and then, she'll look at somebody, and their f- smile will be like a little too big. Mm-hmm. And there's a part where she's walking past some people, and they're laughing, and she's like, "They're laughing at me," <laughs> and they're like, "They're not laughing at you," you know. This was the moment though that also felt very real of when she's like walking to the bathroom, and she's like. You're okay. You're okay. You chose this. You chose this. You're okay. (laughs) Think happy thoughts. Don't don't think that. Don't think that. It's your birthday tomorrow. It's your birthday tomorrow. Um, Second time I saw this movie, went with a group of friends, and the sequence when they walk into that the place where they're gonna sleep, Uh they're like sleeping quarters, and there's all the drawings on all the rooms. There's a moment where Florence Pugh kind of wanders off, and she's looking at all the pictures of the previous May Queens and stuff, and the music is really beautiful, and it's kind of just this like hypnotic swelling moment, and all of a sudden the theater started shaking. Packed theater, and you could just see everybody in the theater have that moment of realization of like, wait, that's not an adjacent movie theater's like loud bass rumbling, that's an earthquake. And then it started to shake the screen so hard that the movie fucked up. It like started to glitch out on the screen, and then all of a sudden, everybody in the theater like jumped to their feet and fled the theater. Some people like screaming, and we were in the very back row. And I think there was like maybe five of us. It's the biggest earthquake I've ever been in in California. It was probably the the earthquake that if people remember a big earthquake, it was this one in terms of like recent recent ones. And I just kind of like took a quick look around and saw that there were no speakers above our heads that could fall and smash us. And I saw the pandemonium of the crowd in front of us. And so I just leaned everybody and I said, just stay seated. Because I felt like this is 
probably the same. We're going to hurt ourselves if we start running. Yeah. Right. And at this point, the theater is like significantly shaking. And it was probably about a minute long mm-hmm. earthquake. It lasted for. I was in Big Bear on my bachelorette party. And like half of the girls there were from Arkansas. And this was like their biggest fear to happen. Mm-hmm. They're like, what's happening? Because I knew we shouldn't have come exactly. to California. <laughs> exactly. Pack your bags. <laughs> we're out of here. Uh, and then, yeah, after like a minute, it stopped. And we just kind of stayed seated. And. The theater was literally cleared out. I think there was maybe two other people that decided to sit and stay. And then eventually they just popped the movie back on and continued. I would say 90% of the people did not return. So we ended up, we started in a packed theater and then we ended with maybe like 12 of us. <laughs> I feel like that's the kind of movie that's insane, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like, it's the kind of movie where like I would think it was maybe part of the movie for a second for sure yeah. Where, yeah. because it feels like it's such a strange like like the way that like the visuals are kind of warped and right the music and this particular well. moment is so lulling yeah and it's all sound design and music that you aren't it wasn't like it was happening in the middle of two characters talking and you and you're like oh that feels weird it f- did feel like part of the sound design at first but then, have you ever been to a 4d movie once i saw wonder woman the second <laughs> mm-hmm. time and I fucking hated it. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. I think it would make me sick. Everything I've heard, I don't think I would like it. I Let me tell it. you, if you like being punched in the back by a chair, <laughs> it's like a really bad version of like a Disneyland or like Universal yeah. Studios right, yeah. like 4D, like, you know, 3D kind of movie mm-hmm. ride oh. experience where it's like they they make them so, they're you know, it's like it's one movie and uh-huh. they've like spent years perfecting the moments and the effects and the theater is built for it and this is like and it lasts maybe 15 minutes at most exactly this is like two hours yeah and like they're like spraying you with water like this sucks yeah this is horrible yeah never they get their first ceremony none of them know exactly what they're walking into except for josh he seems to cut into no they say we're gonna do an a testipa ceremony and everybody's like, what is that? Josh knows what it is, but he won't tell them. But he's- I disagree. I think he doesn't know. I think he's a you piece of shit. You think he's playing? Oh. I think he's just trying to, I don't think he knows. Yeah. I don't think he's in on any of this. Because all he does is like kind of smile. He's like, do you know what this is? And he's like, hmm. I think that's him lording. I think he's a piece of shit also. Yeah. Oh. And he's like trying to lord in, you know, like the power of like, I think you're oh, right. I know something you don't know. Well, there's also I that love, There's that, that funny take. moment where they walk up to a rune. And Josh goes, oh, this is the uh, elder Futhar, right? And they go, it's the younger Futhar. And he goes, God. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that's what it is. I think it's like a guy who like is intellectualized shit. Yes. It's like funny to see him fail. <laughs> but I think that smile to me, I was like, oh, I don't, I, you know, and who knows? Yeah. It's not spoken overtly. But I was like, to me, the intent of him as an actor, like the way he played it was, there was a moment where he doesn't make any expression. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of, chooses to smile and i'm like yeah. oh to me that was the like fuck i'm caught not knowing something oh, yeah and I then love he was just take. like yeah christian i yeah. know something you don't know yeah their custom is is that life is seasonal and so they said from like zero to 18 that's your spring and you know like there's with each age you hit winter fall summer uh-huh. florence Pugh, i think is in summer in her age because they said that's like 25 25 to, to 35 30 or something yeah, yeah. Uh, but once you hit the age of 72, that's essentially kind of like the end of your life cycle. And in their custom, they do this ceremony that is actually pulled from Norse mythology, where um, once you reach a certain age as an elderly person, you're sort of expected to sacrifice yourself for the good of the community since you are harder to take care of. You don't provide as much as everybody else. And so it's like tradition that you would um, kill yourself. 
And so they don't know that going into this, but they basically enter into the ceremony where they watch these two old people have a nice dinner and then they get wheeled up to the top of this cliff and they each walk to the edge of it and hop off of it onto a rock. God. And um, it is a pretty intense sequence. It's very uh, drawn out. There's a lot of build up to it. The music is fucking great. And after the first one, you have yes. to sit through like them uh, screaming like, no, don't do it. Yeah. Like, and you're with them. You're like, please don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see this. Again. Yeah. The, 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 the older woman jumps first, successfully hits her face on the rock, <sighs> explodes it. There's a, a very significant shot of where you see her face just pulverized as Horrible. she's flying off mm. of it. And Horrifying. then the old man jumps, but he jumps wrong. Why does he jump that? I mean, for he jumps movie, just straight, straight. Legs, legs first down. <laughs> So he does not hit the rock. His oh, legs, God. It's like it truly makes my whole body squeeze. His legs yeah. hit the ground and snap and he does not die. Ugh. And we get our first taste of what this culture does where when you feel anything, I think any sort of emotion, but especially if you feel pain and you're screaming, they sort of share the feeling with you. And yeah. so this old man is like laying on the ground, gurgling and screaming, and they all start screaming with him. And then they have to go up with a big old mallet and mercy kill him. This was the moment where I screamed or yelled, fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) Like, I think it was actually the hard cut to the close up of the face. Yes, that's the one I did the exact same thing. And I was really angry after the movie. I was like, I mostly liked that movie. I think that's, you know, like shitty. You don't need to show us this close up in order to uh, get get the point across. And I'd say on second viewing, I was like, pro- because yeah. I think it was one less of a shock and also the point of it is to make you feel that yeah, yeah. like that shock is supposed to be like yeah these guys like this is that's like, what they saw that's what Danny and horrifying mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you're in their shoes and also like watching the people justify staying mm-hmm. it makes them that much more of like kind of villains yes uh, once you as the viewer experience yeah. this close up and also at least I had to I covered my eyes in the movie theater I was like this is too nasty I can't mm-hmm. do this and this time I was like I think I'm just going to watch it. I know it's coming. Yeah. And I watched it. And I just had to repeat. I was like, this is just a really cool practical effect. Yeah, it is. This is a really cool yeah. effect. The, the practical effects are great. Yeah, and I was like, this is really well done. You know, like I was just having yeah, to, like, have put to that, like, separate yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, but it's still, it's really, really, really well done. And the yeah. filmmaking is really good, too, because when when this these moments happen, like the sound drops out yep. and like they switch the lens on Danny. So it's like a much more like, it's almost like a dream lens. It's blurry around her. Oh, we should also mention, too, that um, the cinematographer, his name is. Paul Pogorzelski. I hope I'm saying that right. But he's he's Ari Aster's DP. They met in film school. They met Aww, at AFI. Cute. Wow. And they came up together and they've shot everything together. And, and now he's a big cinematographer too. So yeah, it's kind of a cute little film school meet cute. Nice. I love it. Again, the performances are just incredible. The way they react to this is, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I think that's like such good writing and like when crazy shit happens. It just felt like all the grounded things that you would want to see happen. If you were thrust into the situation where two old people are like thrown off a cliff, yeah. and like their bodies are smashed, yeah, people would freak out, like the couple that is separate kind of from our main group. Mm-hmm. And having somebody kind of be like, hey, hey, no, 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 no. This is something we've we done cho- for yeah. years. We choose this, we cho- yeah. You know, which this is, is a like, joy. And that the fact they're like, fuck no. Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. some people are still like, that's not enough to me. Mm-hmm. I think- Play, you know, like I think all you need to do is introduce those 
points of view for it to feel grounded. Yes. Uh, or at least for you to, to get away with Somebody's that expressing thing. something that you're feeling as the audience. Yeah, you're calling out the weird thing. Mm-hmm. Calling out the weird thing. And then, yeah, it being explained of like, no, this is our culture. And and then it's like making you question like, oh, okay, like am I being insensitive to this other culture? Yeah. Uh, okay, like- I just kept thinking if I was like, if I was in that situation, I mean, I would have been like, we're getting the fuck out of here right now. There's also a great scene too, right after this ceremony where where Christian actually kind of makes a good point too. Danny is obviously profoundly disturbed by this experience. Also too, the fact that she has she has suicide in her mm-hmm. previous trauma. Yeah. So seeing people commit it. Oh God. Yeah. And having to hear, this is a joy for them. Ugh. This is, And I'll do it. When I reach this age, I'm going to do it too. I'm sure is creating complications in her mind about like, was it a joy for my sister to do that? Yeah, like, it's was all it, triggering. Was yeah. it all for the betterment of things? But then Christian says, she's like, were you not, are you not disturbed by what we just saw? And he says, look, I'm sure they see the way we treat our old people in our culture. We put them in nursing homes. They probably think that's barbaric. It was yeah. a good and point. And it's like, that's not a fucking bad point. I mean, that's <laughs> everywhere. Every villain has to, every has good to have some good point. has a good perspective. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that's that's why you like a good villain. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're like, yeah, they could convince you. Uh-huh. They could sway you. I do like the scene where Pele tries to get Danny to stay and he says like, this is my family. I invited my friends because this is a once in a lifetime thing and I wanted to share it, especially with my friends who I knew would appreciate it because I, I am proud of okay, this place. Okay, okay, but I'm not an anthropologist and I don't understand any of this. Yes, yes, I don't yes, get... I know, I know. And, and yet I was the most excited for you to come. <laughs> I know what you're going through, Danny. What am I going through? Because I lost my parents too. What? No, no, Pele, yes, yes, that yes. is not what I'm talking about. No, I'm not, not talking about talking my about, family. I'm I not lost talking my about parents my family. when I was I'm a little boy. About... They burned no, up in a I fire. No, I'm not talking about that. My parents, they no. burned up in a fire, and I became technically an orphan. So believe me when I tell you that I know what it's like because I do. I really, really do. Yet my difference is I never got the chance to feel lost because I had a family here where everyone embraced me and swept me up. And I was raised by a community that doesn't bicker over what's theirs and what's not theirs. That's what you were given. But I have always felt held. By a family. A real family. He specifically points out Christian. He's like, do you feel held by him? Oh, yeah. Does he feel like family to you? There is the manipulation because it's like, I think what they do so well is this cult. You know, it's like they always are saying just enough truth. It's like, yeah, it is nice to like be with people who are like, we Mm -hmm. will shoulder the burden of your trauma. We will cry with you. We will be in pain with you. And that's what she needs in this moment most. Mm -hmm. And he's right. Like he doesn't hold her. No, he's not family to her. No. They do seem barbaric in our culture, but like the way they've justified it for themselves, you can't necessarily knock them if that's what they want well, to do. You, and you like them more than these shitheads. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'd say that's like a, the pros and cons of director's cut. Yeah. I, I felt like a con is almost how much, how shitty you know people are early on. Mm. I agree. Like with the car scene and seeing the Nazi book, I'm like, oh, okay, you're, it's, you're told how you're supposed to be feeling a little bit well, that's stronger. True. I think in this, I think in the director's cut, Christian is a downright, you know, 
he he deserves the fate that he gets. By it's less subtle. Yeah, it's less subtle. I loved it because I was like, oh, this is so fun to see. It's really well directed. Mm-hmm. I like these characters. I, their acting is mm-hmm. great. And I think my favorite parts of the movie are the two of them and their dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Which when is, he confronts her and he says, how am I supposed to react when you give me flowers? Oh God. That's a debt I can never repay. <laughs> I was just like, this is so specific. It's total gaslighting. Yes. It's a piece of shit thing. It's like being caught in a lie and doubling down. Yes. And yeah. Like, I can't believe you would say things yeah. that I would lie. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's like, well, okay. And, and he is expressing a truth. He's like, I will always be smothered under your grief and your trauma and the things that you need for me is shitty as it is that's also true for him but like, it's also he, like dude make the choice yeah, then yeah. You, you need to be in pain he can't get out leave. of this and uh not view uh, this wow person bring as an object. it back once again to scandaval on Vanderpump Rules. do you know about the scandaval uh <laughs> justin you don't need this, to know does about this, it this involved with like the bar that's uh, yes it okay, does right yes. behind ucb yeah shorts well, i've heard it's a cheating scandal i think it's been explained community. to me like 10 different times <laughs> I, and I, I kind of just kind of zone out sure yeah. i won't explain it to you but because i have brought it up in so many episodes this is very similar to a scene where sheena a friend of ariana who was cheated on tom sandoval is trying to get her on his side and he was like what was I supposed to do? Break up with her? Like she was threatening to kill herself. It's true, like, yeah. Tell all this horrible stuff. And Sheena was like, you man up, you call her friends, you call her mom, you tell them that you are leaving and this is where she's at and we come in and we we mm-hmm. lift her up. And I was just like, fuck yeah. Like it, that's just not an excuse to like make yourself the bad, like yeah. the bad guy being like, but now I'm having to take care of you. It's like, no, you're not. Make the choice that you don't want to and then leave and let this person handle it. Yeah. But to like put it on them that you're being the good guy by sticking around. So it's gross. like, ugh. Which I loved. I loved like watching him it's do exactly, that. Yes. He, he's one of the greatest bad boyfriends in cinema in my opinion. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He, oh, and because sure. it's just so smartly written and I think he is perfectly cast for it. I think he sells this stuff so I think Ari well. Aster should make the film version of Scandalball. Mm, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> I think so. The biggest conversation that I had with people coming out of when this movie was in theaters was a lot of people feeling like he didn't deserve to be burned up at the end of this movie. And my whole perspective was like, he totally does. Especially if you think about the movie. I think he still did, at least from what I remember. But He did, but people kept trying to argue like he wasn't that bad of a boyfriend. I mean, I think it just goes to show societally like what we've been sort of brainwashed to think about relationships uh and men. (laughs) But this one, at least like, I guess this is for like the people who needed the overt like. Yes, this one's more overt. He continually sucks. He sucks, like, yes. <laughs> which I enjoyed watching like as scenes. But I think it did uh, almost take away from that like fun creeping realization. Uh, I like, agree. It's probably just because I had so many arguments with people where I was like, he deserved it. That I liked that this director's cut it reinforces my opinion on. <laughs> yes, it. I mean, I, I like I enjoyed watching it as a fan of this movie. Yeah, but I think between the two films, I'm like, I think the the non-director's cut is maybe uh, a cleaner movie. I yeah. agree. Yeah, I see that. So yeah, uh, Christian gets courted by this girl. She makes him eat her pubes by hiding it in a meat pie. We get a shot where we pass across this painting on this like long sheet that they describe as a love story, but we see it. And as we move along, it's basically a girl falls in love with a guy, but the guy doesn't know it. So the girl cuts off some of her pubic hair and (laughs) bakes it into a meat pie. Then she puts some of her period blood into his juice and makes him eat and drink it. And then all of a sudden he's got like swirly hypnotized eyes with hearts coming out of his head and they fall in love and have a baby. 
that's a little story that we see. It's another example of this movie yet again showing us what we're going to see before mm-hmm. we actually Which see Which I it. liked. And I, I know too. some people were like, well, we already knew it was going to happen. Who I'm cares? Like, that's yeah. what makes well, it not fun. Not every movie is about the surprise. Exactly. That happens. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're here for the fucking journey. <laughs> exactly. Hitchcock says if characters are having dinner at a table and then all of a sudden the table blows up, there's no suspense in that. But if you show characters eating at a table and then you pan down and you see there's a bomb under the table, that's suspense because yeah. you know it's going to happen. I mean, that's the entirety of the movie Rope. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like there's a dead body. The yeah. family's eating on the dead body. Yeah, you have of to. their son. And- you as the audience have to have some information in order to get excited about what's going to happen. And if we didn't know, if he's just eating a pie and he pulls a pubic hair out of it, sure, funny, but we wouldn't know what it meant and, and we wouldn't have any excitement. People get fucking mad when they're not ex- Like, I think... It's different audiences, but I feel like <laughs> I think you and I, at least, I don't know how you feel about Corey, but I Please. feel like we liked us mm-hmm. quite a bit. I Big love defenders. us. Big I really defenders. love us. And and I liked it more on a second viewing mm-hmm. and it, same. It really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and I feel like a lot of people I know kind of couldn't buy into it. And I think yep. that's a movie that like doesn't give you explanations. It's not a movie that's like, and here's how there are multiple pairs of scissors underground and mm-hmm. like how they're mirroring things. And it's like, well, it maybe gives you a little bit, but not enough for people. Like the, it explains enough to make people question everything, but not enough to give them the answer. Too to all much of a leap. Yeah. But then it's like, well, when you're given these explanations in a movie like this, where it's like, here's how it happens and what happens. And granted mm-hmm. us is much more like crazy world than Midsommar. Yeah. It's bigger but swings than this. I think there's the like, concept. to me it was like Nolan and like those like early, like kind of uh Batman begins movies uh-huh. that were like, that was my introduction to explaining and grounding fantastical things in like explanations. Uh-huh. And I think people became addicted to like, well, how does it happen? Why does it happen? Yeah. It's like sometimes, you know, it's scarier or more interesting when we don't fully know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that's what I liked about us is like, yeah, I, I understand enough about what's happening. Yeah. Thematically. Yeah. And this movie, it was like, yeah, okay, we, we know exactly what's happening, but I'm fine to watch it. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. So anyway, I'm right, and everybody else <laughs> is wrong. And dumb. So yeah, we end up getting seeing characters getting picked off. Uh, they discover that there is a oracle in this town that is this young boy named Ruben who is a disabled, deformed child that is a product of incest. And he uh, basically creates their like... Bible. They call it like the Ruby Rotter. And he is essentially just finger paintings that he does that then they look at and interpret. Yes. And they say it's because his his mind is unclouded because of his disability. And there's even a little bit of a hint because they, they also say that um, Pele's mind is unclouded. Did you notice that? Hmm. They say no. like, for your unclouded mind, we reward you for this. And I wondered if that's just a term that they use or if that means that Pele is some sort of a product of incest as well. I mean, obviously we learned that Pele's family Died in a fire, but do we know that that's true? I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to be one of those manipulating. I don't want to be one of those crackpot redditors, but we don't know if that's true. Here's what I this time. This is what I read into it. And again, I'm just a crackpot redditor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Might be score crazy here, (laughs) but uh, I felt like it was true. I felt like he always was telling the truth, but choosing the way to. I think disseminate I like the information. That's I feel like nobody ever lied to them mm-hmm. fully. I mean, it feels like the, I was like, oh, maybe his family like died in a ritual yeah. is what I imagined. And so it was like, yeah, like I grew up with this trauma, but the trauma is the thing that I'm also bringing you into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not telling you that we're going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, but it's like what they've withheld versus. Well, because I wonder if lie. kind of what you were saying earlier when I was like, do you think that 
Pele's bringing them all in knowing that they're going to be sacrifices. And I think some of them not because like William Jackson Harper's character. Am I saying his name in the right order? Yeah. William Jackson. Harper. William Jackson. Harper. Like, I wonder, would he have gotten killed if he didn't sneak in and take pictures of their of their Bible? They were happy to have him like write his thesis and maybe yeah. tell their story well, somewhat. I think Josh was always going to die. I don't think anybody's oh. coming out alive. That's just a guess. But I'm like, I don't think, I think Florence Pugh is usually right about everything in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. About what happens. And she's, she's the one who explicitly says like, none of you, you think they're just going to let you leave? That's true. And I don't think that anybody's going to be left alive. I think they might let them live long enough to see the ceremony. Yeah. But I, I think it's like too much of a risk. Again, Pure speculation. Right. I'm, but I, that is true because it's like, what happens if they do leave? He does write this thesis or something. Like, does their village get? That's true. And they're not idiots. You know, no. they're, you can tell. And they're conniving in other ways. And yes. so, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. If they are racist, too, I've, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and it's there's, you know, you see the whole town. You see who everybody's brought. And the only people of color are killed. Mm-hmm. The three people. Yeah. The Harga is a fictional cult. But a lot of the stuff within it, a lot of the ceremonies and traditions of it are kind of pulled from various different real communes in Sweden. Stumbled upon this book, which is actually kind of like a magazine, but it's called Layered Butter. Every couple of months, this company, Layered Butter, will put out these really thick magazines based on stuff. And they put out this horror issue. And in this, they have an interview with two of the producers on Midsommar. They're both Swedish. Martin Karlvist and Patrick Anderson, Uh Swedish producers. And they are also credited in the film as concept of the Hargas by these two guys. So they're interviewed in this thing and they talk about actually how it all went down. So basically these two guys had been trying to make a Swedish folk horror movie for years. And they wanted to make it about pagan customs and they wanted to be based around Midsummer. And so they had been doing all this research and they had written a script for this movie. But they couldn't get it made because the Swedish film industry was not really thriving at the time. Even by the, when this movie was made, it wasn't really a thing. The production designer's name was Heinrichs Vinson, and they had actually hired him. These two producers hired him before they even ever met with Ari Aster. So they had already started assembling their crew for this movie, too. Wow. So the Swedish government was like, we don't really want to fund the movie unless you get an American filmmaker to come do it. Then we will give you the funding. Which is so funny because he hadn't done anything. So they said this is pre-hereditary. This was pre-hereditary. So they went on the lookout to find like up and coming horror filmmakers. And I guess, yeah, it'll be cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) At that point in time, he had written Hereditary. They read the script for Hereditary, but didn't see the movie because it hadn't been made yet. And they loved it. They were like, this is this guy has a real voice and we like him. So they met with him. They showed Ari Aster their script for this movie and he liked it. And they said that like it basically had everything, all the customs, all the stuff that happens when they're in this village happened in their script. They had done all the research and found out about like the the ritualistic suicide and the pubes and the pies and the love rituals and stuff like that. All that was in there. And that was all really fascinating to Ari Aster too. And so he agreed to come on board. And basically the way they put it is like all the stuff that happens in the village was their stuff that they Mm. researched and came up with. All the character stuff, all the setup for the movie, the trauma, the family stuff, that was all Ari Aster. And he is the sole credited writer for Mm -hmm. the movie. Mm. They have a credit as Harga created by these two guys. Yeah, I wonder, this is pure speculation, but I also wonder if they're not credited because being in another country, 
they're not part of the WGA, so they can't negotiate uh, for the same kind of true. title yeah. or credit. They don't seem to have any ill will towards him. Like they spoke about him, like he was a great collaborator. And That's that great. They, they're all very happy with the movie. You love to hear it. This is a little bit of a gun for hire job for Ari Aster. He started essentially like they finished Hereditary, and the day that Hereditary released in theaters, the next day he flew to Sweden and started what pre-production. A dream. On this movie. I. Some of the interviews that I had read with him, he was just like, I didn't get to like soak up the success of Hereditary because I was so stressed about exactly. this other movie. Oh, that's movie. true. And I think that's what makes this movie great and interesting in a lot of ways is like, yeah. it, there wasn't time for him to like consider what should I do next? Oh, everybody loves my movie. Now I have all these expectations. He just jumped right in and made another movie. But it's interesting. Um, it is. And I'm glad that I stumbled upon it. It was totally, I bought it actually at the Academy Museum. I just Here saw we it. go again. This is ad you know, number if two. You have a film lover in your life who enjoys <laughs> magazines, periodicals, print media. Get them to the museum. Buy them a gift in person. Nothing says I love you like buying this magazine for them in front of their eyes after they see Bruce the Shark hanging at the Academy Museum. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, wow. We get sort of to our final long climax of this movie, Danny gets kind of pulled into this Maypole dance competition. Oh, yeah. Where she, they they give her some drugs. It's, you know, uh, some sort of water with special properties. <laughs> and um, they put her in a, in a nice outfit. They do embrace her. They pull her in as, as their own and they have her do this thing where they dance around a Maypole, which I think is a real, actually what they do when they celebrate yeah. midsummer. Yeah. Um, by the way, this movie straight up, I think, invented the word Midsommar. Like, did it exist before this movie? And people, that was so, when this came out, there were so many arguments of like, is it Midsommar? Is it Midsommar? Yes. It was a huge. Is it LaCroix? Is it LaCroix? Yeah. I still, there's still people that I know who won't say Midsommar. I think to they me. They still call it Midsummer. I I like split the difference. Yeah. Where I feel like a little bit of a dick where I'm like Midsummer. Uh-huh. Uh, like it can't come out of my mouth without sounding like it's like uh, being like uh, haughty or something. Yeah. But uh, I think, yeah, it's Midsummer. That's what it is. But I'm not calling it Midsummer. <laughs> I don't know. I went to Shanghai, which is, I went to Shanghai. <laughs> but like when I came back, I'm like, well, I'm not going to call it Shanghai. Like, sure, one, yeah. I don't speak the language. Yeah, sure. I went for two weeks. <laughs> I can't be that person. You do that because culturally we say Shanghai. But then I'm like, am I being an asshole? But right. I guess I don't say like Los Angeles. You know, like, <laughs> yes. I think there's a certain group of people that like, and it's even like friends where it's like, Almost like they feel like a there's like a snobbery. Yes, mm-hmm. they don't don't want to look pretentious. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, oh, I don't think it, I don't think it's pretentious. I think it's just the name of the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I have a worry that like I'm coming across as like a movie snob. Right. Yes, uh, and I am like nitpicky about shit. <laughs> yeah. so I get it. <laughs> but it's uh, a title. Meet Somar. So she ends up winning the sort of musical chairs a uh, maypole thing and being crowned the may queen and they this is when the movie gets really trippy i hadn't even noticed some of like when they're sitting down for dinner mm-hmm. when she's the may queen this was the first time that i was like whoa look the table's moving or i had yeah. the some of the trippy elements i didn't notice yeah. Yeah, yeah and there's there's a moment where they they hoist her up on this thing and they're carrying her across the trees and you can see her sister's face in the trees, Whoa, which is really creepy. I did not notice that. It's like her face with the duct tape and everything. Okay, oh. now this is my question, though. If if they were all making it so that Danny would be the May Queen, as opposed to she just won fair and square, mm-hmm. because is this not 
her like having to go bless the crops and everything. This is all a ruse sort of to get her away from Christian so that he can go impregnate the redheaded girl. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, I think it's completely up for your interpretation. Right. If you if you want to believe it's all uh, uh, pulled to me, it's too big of a it's too many people. You know, I mean, like that's the case with a lot of folk horror movies. Is the whole town's in on it. But to me, I like to kind of believe that there's a little bit of circumstance to all these things. That there's a little bit of chance yeah. happening because um, they would have been happy to have. Maybe it also would have happened just with another May Queen, and they would have killed Danny. Exactly. Oh, that's you know? true. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think from a mov- yeah. from a movie standpoint, from Danny's character arc, she is pulled. You yes, know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, that's the moment where destiny. she's going off. <laughs> it's her yeah. destiny. And another thing that I'd never noticed before, but I read is apparently in the opening shot of the movie, when you see her parents laying in the bed, mm-hmm. there is a flower crown on their like side table. Well, Whoa. she was destined to be. Which I read that because that's one of the things that the Reddit conspirators point to as like Pele killed them. People take things too literally. Yes. It's, it's called just symbolism. Yeah. It's just thematic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's the universe saying it's all sort of meant to be for her. Well, yeah. knowing that her sister was kind of in the trees, which I didn't see, mm. but I'm like, oh, also like the way that they, they kind of like replant their dead. And oh, there's something symbolically yeah. interesting about like the dead people in her life are also trees. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know. Justin, you've said a couple of things on this podcast. It's giving me chills each time. I'm like, oh my god, wow! Mm-hmm. That's hey, such invite a good... me back. <laughs> After she gets crowned May Queen, too, you notice the first thing Pele does is come over and give her a big old, a big old kiss. Yeah, that I was like, this motherfucker. I know. I was like, what a piece oh, of shit. God. And she yeah. even sort of looks at him like, what the fuck? But yeah. she's also tripping, and that's when she sees her parents uh-huh. and and her sister there as well. God. And then, yeah, simultaneously, simultaneously, the craziest Christian is getting scene lured. of the whole movie. Probably is the craziest scene. It's a it's a sex scene. Um, Christian, <laughs> I love when he gets brought into the house. First so, off, that yeah. house that he's brought into at first, um, when the older woman is like, "Do you want to have sex with her?" That house is so cool. It's, it like, looks like a Tim Burton expression. Yes, it's a little, kind of, yes. it's a little canted, and uh-huh. well, because it almost feels like a birth. Like to mm. me, yeah. maybe, maybe mm-hmm. my brain was just like <laughs> making connections, but it almost felt like it was like shaped for like birthing. Uh-huh, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oh, I love it. But it really did look like the old expressionism. To yes. Me. Like mm-hmm. that German expressionist. Like, oh, yeah, this is they fucking were like, hey, excuse me, Jack from Halloween Town. Can we borrow <laughs> one of your Nightmare Before Christmas buildings? Uh, the old woman's like, do you want to have sex with Redhead? She wants she to have- put it out that plainly yes yeah. she does and she was like don't you think this would be really good for your oh thesis? that's right when he goes and meets with and her. that's yes. like what i feel like is the thing that finally conv- that he's like yeah you're you're right well because like this is for research wants to yes. but he's like but you know yeah. like i'm I here with someone because i'm here with someone that that also reminds me of another really funny line in that scene when they're sitting there she says um paley showed her a picture of you she's really fixated on you and he goes i i think i ate one of her pubic hairs and yes. she goes that sounds probably right. Yes. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it's like, uh-huh. We're not going to lie to you about yeah, that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then that cut from him being like, well, I guess, would you say like, I am not able to get the full experience or like, yes. if I yeah. don't do this? Yeah. It's like, what a piece of shit. He's just you looking justifying. for a way in. Yep. And if you notice in that scene too, there's a real close up of it, but like he's just sitting there alone and he's staring at the wall and there's all these pictures on it. And one of the pictures right in front of him is a burning bear. <laughs> so then he follows the flowers. He follows the flowers into this, into this little shack. He opens a door and the, the redheaded girl is laying on the floor naked. And behind her is a row <laughs> of swaying naked women all, all holding ages. hands, yeah. going like, Ooh. 
it's honestly beautiful. Yeah, like, the, all the, the singing is beautiful. The music is beautiful. When they start actually having sex and she reaches her arm out yes. and one of the women sits down next to her and starts singing to them. That woman's voice is incredible. Yeah. yeah. She 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 hunches on the ground and starts singing in their faces. And Christian's reaction is so funny so because funny. he's startled by it. And then the the redheaded woman starts sort of like moaning in ecstasy. And then they all start moaning in ecstasy. Meanwhile, Danny hears the moaning <sighs> and is like, what's going on over there? And the other women are like, Nothing's going on. I love that the other woman in this scene. I think she's yeah. so good. She's like, it's not for you. It's mm-hmm. not for yeah. us. Don't worry like, about it. Yeah. But Danny kind of has an intuition here. And so she kind of pulls herself away and marches over to the shed and looks through the keyhole of the door and sees Christian having sex with this woman and has kind of like a full-blown Panic meltdown. Attack. She th- v- immediately vomits on the ground. They grab her, they pick her up, they bring her, they rush her to this. Oh, this scene is incredible. This is the only scene in the movie that is handheld too. And it works so well because it's a very intense emotional moment. That makes sense. And she starts crying and they're sort of like leaning in there with her and her cries start to turn into that wail that she does. And they start wailing All with her. All of the women are wailing. They share her pain with Florence Pugh about that scene. And she was like that, that group of women is like why I was able to have the performance I did Mm -hmm. because like the camaraderie and shooting that scene. They were like, it's the most, she's talked about how like that was the most intense scene to shoot of the movie. And even like the quote unquote, like kind of extras in this movie are giving like performances of a lifetime. They're all good actors. And it's also, that's the magic of, that's the magic of this movie. (laughs) There are so many actors. It's, you know, like you need real people Mm -hmm. and they're all, seeing a group of people is like a special effect. Like the fact that all of them are together, like wailing, moaning, Mm -hmm. like both naked. (laughs) Yeah. Naked. I was happy that he was naked because I'm like, there's a lot of naked women. He's not as naked as everybody else. You get to see plenty of his penis though. But you get a good amount. I feel like that almost never happens. (laughs) Yes. No. But this felt so, yeah, visceral. Mm -hmm. Um, And it starts cross cutting between the Florence Pugh and the women wailing in tears in, in despair with all the women at the sex scene wailing in ecstasy and it's sort of cross-cutting between them. It's really cool. It's so funny. Christian is like obviously starting to get freaked out. He's getting and really then the freaked older out. woman comes behind him pushing and starts him, pushing him, pushing him in. Pushing <laughs> well, it's like my, my little screenwriter brain turned on, you know, in like a very boring way. But I was like, okay, like what is her low point? And I, director's cut, I feel like the pacing is a little mm-hmm. wonkier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like this, the moment where she sees what he's doing is when she is truly alone. Yes. Yes. She has lost she's everything. Lost yeah. Everything is so clearly. And so like she's brought back to that grief that we see is like the inciting grief. And like she's it's essentially, the same whale. she's in yes. a daze for the rest of the movie. Like this puts her in uh-huh. a stupor that she really never leaves for the whole thing. And it's because they like help her in some ways. It's like she, her grief is finally shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's been alone in her grief. She, you know, like she goes to the bathroom. She tries to, you know, like every time she tries to experience her grief, she's not supported in it mm-hmm. in this deep a way. Yes. It, and at like, a, really at all. Christian yeah. never really expresses any sort of sympathy. No, it's just, her. you know, what is it? 
it Pele and yes, Pele is the only one. Who, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's other cult people who briefly are like kind of helping her. Yes. Right. But this is the first time where it's like, oh, all the rituals we've seen where people support people in the community. This is happening for her. Yep. And yeah, he ends up stumbling out of it. You get to see and more of And then she his rocks penis. and she's like, I feel the baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can feel the baby. I can feel the baby. <laughs> yeah. First, he runs to one cabin and he sees Josh's legs sticking up out of the ground. So he's been buried in the ground. And so he's like, not going to go into that one. He runs to another one hides inside of it and then turns and we see Simon. Oh, this is the other image that haunts me. And apparently this is a real um, Norse Viking thing called the Blood Eagle, where they would actually like cut open people's backs, separate their spine from the rest of their body, and then pull their lungs out and stretch them out like eagle wings while they were still alive. Yeah, so he's like this vivisected. Is, yes, he's... He's hanging in midair. His lungs have been extracted from his back and are also hanging. But they're breathing. They're breathing. But he's still alive because you can see the lungs moving up and down and he has flowers like sewn into his eyes. Yeah. It's a, one of the more disturbing images. I think of the movie he got too. the worst death because yeah, it he ain't even, so long. He ain't even dead. So then Christian ends up getting caught and we get our final, final ceremony. He ends up waking up and he's paralyzed. They've they've paralyzed him with something and they've put Danny in this amazing flower outfit that we've talked about and they say um they sort of explain the commune must offer nine human sacrifices in order to like rid the village of evil spirits. Four of the newcomers have already been killed, so they're four of the nine. The two people who jumped from the thing, I think, are the two bodies that they Uh have that are volunteers from the community. Mm -hmm. They need two more community volunteers, which Ingmar and Ulf volunteer to do. And then in order to pick the last, the final ninth one, they randomly draw like a, a bingo ball. I love that they built this prop for just this. (laughs) Incredible. They draw like a bingo ball for one guy. I forget his name, but he comes out and then they roll up Christian and they make Danny, since she's the May Queen, decide, are you going to pick Christian or are you going to pick this other random guy as the ninth person? And we just get this nice long push in on her as she stares at Christian and starts to cry. Great acting from her because you can, it's just filled with the like, fuck you pain that he's caused her. She does this thing with her face where it's like, <gasps> yes. And oh it, yeah, she looks like a sad little child. She look it up. And I don't, to me, this is either just like coincidence and I like this movie and I'm Ooh. comparing it to this, or it feels like a deliberate, like, I like homage. This is going. but the 1978 invasion of the body snatchers, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, oh. the face that he makes at the end looks like her love face. It. There. And it's such a, to me, that's like such an iconic yeah. horror movie mm-hmm. shot. And I also fucking love that movie. That's Donald Sutherland doing the point at the end where it <gasps> reveals he is one of the creatures. And I feel like she makes that face when she yeah. becomes one of them <gasps> and chooses is oh, basically Justin, like choosing I love that. Him. I love it. I love you it. know, again, this is like, I don't know if that's what he was going for. But you need to get on Reddit immediately. <laughs> I get on Reddit, you guys. You know what? This is 100% true and everybody else who disagrees <laughs> is wrong. And then you just hard cut to them wheeling Christian into this cabin where they have this bear, this dead bear that we did get introduced to earlier in the movie in just a cage. brief shot. Just a brief yeah. shot of a bear in a cage and Simon says, are we not going to talk about the bear? It's and they're a bear. Like, That's a bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great joke. And they put Christian's paralyzed body into this bear with like a little hole cut out of its neck for his face to peek through and they start carting all these people to this really amazing looking yellow pyramid made out of wood we see mark has been skinned and his body his like skin has been stuffed with hay and he has like a little crown gestures 
Oh. It's, it's like a gestures. Oh, he's the fool. Yeah. Uh, and they say that the children are playing skin the fool earlier. And so he is the fool that has uh, been skinned. Wow. And he was a literal Halloween Horror Nights maze prop. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. And I love the way he they just like grab it. And you can tell it's just a little rubbery thing filled with hay. But that's probably what your skin would be like. Yeah. And they just kind of flop it around. Ugh. He gets good people to make the corpses for his yeah. corpse. Good corpse work. Um, <laughs> and then they wheel in. Christian in this bear suit and sent him dead center. The other thing was like, do you think that the bear, I mean, this feels maybe more obvious, but mm-hmm. the idea that like he is the predator, like it's like a predator uh, yeah, in the yeah. animal kingdom. He is a, you know, thematically a predator yeah. in yeah. some capacity. I think, I think that so. totally fits. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's the, I think there is probably the Wizard of Oz, Cowardly oh, Lion yes. stuff in that there. That makes more sense. And I meant the bear is the predator. <laughs> Yeah. The, so they had a predator that they trapped mm-hmm. in a cage uh-huh. uh, and, you know, they it's a, let his hair grow and yeah. he kind of started to look like a bear. Yeah. Yep. And then they carved it up. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, this whole movie is just a sequel to Predator. <laughs> yeah. If you watch Prey, mm-hmm. it does tie, <laughs> tie in some in. of the rituals. It really yeah. does. I buy it. Ingmar and Ulf come in and they they tell them you're not going to feel any pain. They said you're not going to feel you're not going to have any fear. Well, one is feel no pain. One is feel no fear. Yes. Oh. I think they well, they give them like a salve or something. Yeah, but they, it's the first funny moment to me because they don't give it to Christian. Right. 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 And I'm like, ah, oh, that's funny. <laughs> but it turns out that it doesn't work because then they set this thing on fire and Ulf starts sc- screaming in pain. I mean, yeah. that's like the funniest. Like Ugh. it says everything where it's like, yeah. And also every like anybody who's on board with this cult at this point is like, yeah, actually, they're like pretty good. It's like, no, they fuck. Yeah, they're and they're horrible. wrong. Yeah. They, you know, like it's abundantly clear that they're just idiots. Mm-hmm. And this is honestly of the memorable things of this movie. This is the other thing I think of is just the sequence because the music is so fucking good. And everybody outside of the the burning house are screaming in pain. Yeah. yeah so as this thing sets on fire, uh, everybody starts to scream with Ulf on the outside. And the music starts to swell. And the music was done by Bobby Krillick, who is known as the Haxan Cloak. It's really, I, I really appreciate that this movie chooses to climax and end on like a real emotional mm-hmm. sequence. It's not like Hereditary ends on total scare factor horror. This chooses to sort of like put you in an emotional state of, it's almost like blissful. I mean, it's awful what's happening. And there's clearly pain coursing through Danny and through the characters that are burning, but the music is really melancholy and big and mm-hmm. operatic and does this really cool thing too where it like starts to melt at one point. She's like marching through in the dress, just sobbing. Ah, and the camera's following her and she looks like a Muppet from like the labyrinth or something. Yeah. But then she sort of like comes out of it emotionally drained and you just see the smile slowly build across her face as the music then suddenly becomes like triumphant yeah and then ends on this hard cut to black with the like vroom, sting of the music again it's like i remember the first time i saw it i had tears it was yeah. really good because yeah. it's just a really emotional ending it's really really fucking good yeah. it really is <laughs> well that's the end of the movie um let's take one last break and we'll be right back to talk final thoughts on midsummer even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. Welcome back to Cinema Possessed, and we are talking final thoughts on Ari Aster's 2019 folk horror masterpiece. Let's see. Uh, For sure. Corey, let's start with you. I don't know what Corey's going to (laughs) think. I am nervous to say this. Speak your truth. Speak your truth. I think this might be one of my favorite movies I've seen, like, as an adult. Um... I think it is like it hits so many things that I I stereotypically wouldn't think is like my type of movie. But this movie works so well on me. The performances are incredible. Like Florence Pugh is so inspiring as like an actor to me in this movie where I'm like, I want to like that. My dream would be able to have a performance this connected as she is in this movie, and everybody in it is just so good. Ari Aster is incredible. I truly believe this is a masterpiece. It's also so beautiful. Like, the colors in this movie are right up my alley. The imagery, the storytelling, it's telling a scary movie in such a truly scary way. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that sounds silly, but... I it stuck it stuck with me this viewing I guess this is my third viewing of the movie yep. and I I really I was like thinking earlier when you see like people on red carpets when Letterbox is like name four mm. movies and I I was I thought while we were in this podcast I would be I was like that I think It'd this be would be four. one of my top four for like genre movies mm-hmm. for sure yeah um so I I absolutely love it Hell and yeah. that's my final thought. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. first you heard it here, folks. Justin, how about you? Man, yeah, I really loved it. I don't think I realized how much I loved this movie. Yeah. When, I, when you suggested watching it, I was like, oh, cool, I'll rewatch that. We were just talking about kind of rewatching it anyway. Mm-hmm. But it didn't, I think because of the decade since the pandemic, um, <laughs> yeah. the brain decade, yes. I had forgotten how good it was and how much it was also the first time I had rewatched any yeah. of his movies. Mm-hmm. And it really fucking holds up. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah. I mean, I have the same things to say as you. Uh, I think it's like just technique wise. Mm-hmm. So good. The acting is so good. The color. I am. I'm a sucker for color. I mm-hmm. love a color story. I love yeah. vivid color. I love horror. I feel like this and the host, uh, Bong Joon Ho's mm-hmm. the host. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Daylight horror. You don't get a lot of it, no. and uh, that one has an incredible opening sequence, like one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But the, both are are so good, and I, I loved everything. I think everything about. It. I think the director's cut is to me a slightly not not quite as good a film. Mm-hmm. I think the pacing's a little wonky. I think you only get that nighttime stuff in the middle of the movie in the director's cut. Which nighttime stuff? Uh, the second ceremony where they're going to throw the. Oh kids. yes, yes, yes. That's true. And they also have an argument that I, I feel like Danny and Christian's relationship kind of like wobbles back and forth. She almost is a voice of reason, then she's with the cult. She's right. kind of voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Still enjoyed the hell out of a director's cut, but yeah. I think I might prefer the 
a slightly shorter one as a, as a concise movie, mm, mm. concise two hour two hour plus movie. <laughs> well, just wait till you see them credits not appear on the screen. Then I'll see which version you want. Fuck. <laughs> and I blame Ari Aster personally for that. Um, no, I, I think he's he's truly like I will always be excited to see one of his films. Yeah, uh, I, I feel the same way about like modern movies. It's hard for. It's almost like embarrassing to admit like that. I'm like, this is one of my favorite movies and it just came yeah. out yes. like recently. Like I fucking love tar. I saw that mm-hmm. twice yes. in theaters. Mm-hmm. I really like Jordan Peele's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it always feels like, well, give it some distance. Yeah, like, it feels yeah. silly or something to say it. But I'm like, but I mean, I hope I keep having yeah, favorite I mean, movies. I want there to be great filmmakers and great films of our decades. Yeah, you know? it's like this worst person in the world. Like mm-hmm. there have been yeah. movies recently that I'm like, oh, these are God, these that. are yeah in the pantheon of ones that I love. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I It's notoriously difficult for me to make a choice on like what are favorites you don't have to you don't have to make a choice a favorite choice i will say yeah it, it's up there it's in the top horror movies yeah. yep. just a great film yeah loved it yeah. i completely agree with both of you i do think this is a masterpiece it's my favorite of his movies i think same by the way yeah i agree with you Corey. i think this is one of the best movies of the 21st century for sure mm-hmm. it's it is probably in my top five of favorite movies of the 2000s you know I compared it to The Shining earlier, which is just the most, the biggest compliment you can give a movie. I think it stands the test of multiple rewatches. The fact that I can, I've now seen it six or seven times and I'm still not only enjoying it, not only having the same emotional reactions to it, but finding new things to appreciate about it. It's just impressive. You made the JFI list, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) when i was a kid when i would force my parents to watch movies i would say we're doing jbhbo tonight (laughs) jbhbo this is my curated hbo oh my god adorable yeah jbhbo feature presentation logo (laughs) comes up that's the new name of the podcast anytime like my dad was like wanted to suggest watching a movie he would just walk into the room and go jbhbo yeah (laughs) um I love the film. I love the movie. I love Florence Pugh. And I love all the actors. As you can tell, I think all the performances are stellar in the film. It just works for me. And I don't think there's any other horror movie quite like it. There's a lot of imitators. This movie became instantly iconic from like an aesthetic standpoint. I think very similar to the Wes Anderson conversation. It's like this immediately became Halloween costumes. Yeah. You saw people dressing like this on Instagram and TikTok for their for their YouTubers, for their influencers. Um like and that's an old man when you say sorry, YouTubers for the YouTubers out there. <laughs> but I mean, that's a, that's a telling yeah. of a, of a, of a culturally significant film and filmmaker. I think the movie's only going to be more appreciated as time goes on. And I would not be surprised if we get 20 years from now and the fucking, it makes it onto an AFI list. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm positive. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's inspiring. I feel like what something that you mentioned, Corey, is like Florence Pugh is really inspiring as an actor. I think like every part of it is like there are those movies that you watch as like we're all creative people or we like to mm-hmm. make things or be, you know, access that part of ourselves. And I'm like watching it was inspiring. It's like I watched like the Spider-Verse movies and I'm like, I'm inspired. Watching, yeah. Yeah. watching this, I was like, oh, this is inspiring to see what 
you can do with a movie. Exactly. And it's like nice to love something. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's nice to watch something and feel like everything was considered and given its all. Because it's so often I watch movies and I think, well, they kind of half-assed that part. They did this on green screen or that's not real or oh, that's the costume that they got. You know, and, and I understand how those things happen. Compromises happen so easily. It's a miracle anything is ever good. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, but as it is, I do think this is a masterpiece. Well, now that we've said everything there is to say about Midsommar, what do you say we play? <laughs> oh, God. Folk, 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 horror, folk, 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 horror quiz. Wow. <laughs> I'm so delighted that there was another song. <laughs> The Folk Horror Quiz. I'm going to be bad. I'm terrible at the games. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) I'm not good at trivia, but... Question number one. This New England folk horror film features terrifying performances from a cast that includes a raven, a hare, and a goat. The Vich? Corey gets the point. I agree. (laughs) The Vich. It's that one. The Vivivich. The Vivich. For a bonus point, can you name that goat? A uh, black. Uh, 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 I work. Fucking oh black God. Adam is in my brain, and it is not that. It, it is Adam. not Dwayne the Rock. It goat. Is black is in it, though. Bill, Billy Goat, Black Billy Goat, Black. Um... Black Phillip. All right, you guys are tied. <laughs> very good, very good. Thank you. Question number two This late 90s folk horror film holds the Guinness Book World Record for all-time highest budget-to-box-office ratio, costing only $60,000, but making $248 million. You oh, got it. You off with Blair Witch. Nice. You got it. Nice. Two points for Justin. Yes. <laughs> Question number three. Harlem rapper Mace. <laughs> Y'all remember him? Yes. Puff, Puff Daddy's yeah, yeah, sidekick? Yeah, yeah. Harlem rapper Mace began his hip-hop career in a rap group that shared its name with a long-running folk horror franchise based on a Stephen King short story. Goo. I have a hint, but I won't give it unless you ask for it. You can give it. Yeah, you can give a hint. There's food in the title. A Stephen King short? A long-running folk horror franchise based on a Stephen King short story. A long-running... That was also the name of Mace's... Hip-hop I know. <laughs> That's hilarious. A long-running... Say that part again. A long-running folk horror franchise. So think of a think of a horror movie franchise uh-huh. based on a Stephen King property. It? No. Nope. That has to do with food. Long-running, so that means there's multiple sequels. Yeah. That has oh, to do with and food. And there's food, food in the title. Food Joe. <laughs> <laughs> You know, all those no, Cujo. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the word food is not in the title. Oh, sorry. I was thinking. But a food is in the title. Oh, okay. The franchise? It's a franchise. Look, I don't know music, so it's really. But the, it's a movie franchise or a movie TV franchise. franchise? People are screaming it. I know. In their cars at home. What are some sure. Stephen King franchises where there have been multiple of the parts one, part two, part three? Well, of course, there's It Chapter One. And Death <laughs> there is um, The Shining and Doctor Sleep. Okay, um, not those. The 
I'm literally looking maybe at one that has maximum some... overdrive and minimum overdrive. <laughs> um, okay, I'll give you another hint. Okay. Yeah, we need them. It's about kids. Oh, Children of the Corn. Oh. Okay. There we go. <laughs> that was Mace's group. Yes, was... it was short for Children of the Corner because they were all grew oh. up on the corner. You oh. know. Um, that was before he met P. Diddy, though. Yeah, and did that music video with all the lights and like his puffy suit. Right. Four points for Justin, one point for Corey. Question number four. This is very similar to every other week. <laughs> this Icelandic folk horror film about a couple who adopts a human sheep hybrid child is the highest Lamb. grossing. Correct. A24. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. Highest, I still haven't seen it either. Highest grossing motion picture in the history of Icelandic cinema. Wow. Uh, yeah, Lamb. I liked it. It's not. I didn't find it to be that special, but I thought it was good. Yeah, I feel like everything I heard was maybe a reaction that it wasn't as much of a horror movie as they expected. Yeah. But still want to see it. Yeah. It's still folksy. I'll tell you that. Question number five. So Corey has two points. Question number five. This iconic folk horror film was remade in 2006. The Wicker Man? Correct. Nice. I was going to say by famous playwright Neil Labute. Really? Wow. That's weird. I would not have. And also featured a role by actor James Franco that was entirely cut from the film. Whoa. It was him teaching people how to have sex for a while on set. (laughs) On set. (laughs) Okay. Still never seen a Wicker Man. I highly recommend the original Wicker Man. Yeah. It's very good and also very funny. Slyly very funny in a, in a way that I think is intentional, much like this movie, and has a lot of similar sequences. But ultimately, is a very different movie. It's more of like a detective movie. So the emotional core of this movie is much different. But it's really great. I love it. Justin has five. Corey has two. Question number six. This folk horror film is the second. How does he have five and I have two? And this is question six because it was a bonus. Question. Oh, okay. Black Philip. <laughs> This folk horror film is the second film in a trilogy of comedic horror premises that also include zombies and aliens. So it's the second in a trilogy. Uh-huh. And the other two movies, one of them involved zombies and one of them involved aliens. Oh. No, never mind. And so this And th- one... but this one is a folk horror. No, I was thinking of Edgar Wright Cornetto uh, stuff. It is that? Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is a cult? It's a full cult. Oh, yeah. Cult. Hot Fuzz yeah. is, a, is a cult. The whole town's oh, a cult. The yeah. whole town is in on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's basically Spoiler doing- alert. <laughs> it's basically doing the Wicker Man, but with like two bumbling cops as, yeah. the, as the protagonist. I haven't seen Hot Fuzz since it came out in theaters. I remember loving Very it. Very good. Yeah. In fact, I debate whether I like it more than Shaun of the Dead. <gasps> I, I also really that. liked. Uh, I like the World's third End one. too. World's End, yeah. that was great. I did mm-hmm. too. Yes, the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. Bonus points. Do you know why it's called the Cornetto trilogy? A little Cornetto ice cream. You got it. Oh. Okay, so Justin now has eight points. eight points. <laughs> Corey has two, which means this final question is worth ten points. Oh, wow. oh, no. <laughs> question number seven. Final question. While filming. This stylish folk horror tale. <laughs> Actor Johnny Depp adopted his on-screen co-star, which was a gassy, one-eyed horse named Goldeneye, when he learned that it was going to be put down after production. What film was this on? Sleepy Hollow? You got it! Wow! Wow, I guess that is a folk. 
Yeah, that is a folk movie. Justin wins the folk horror quiz. Nice. And so I just get to keep your dog? Yeah. (laughs) You get to keep this house. Wow. I need that, you know? Uh, Based on rent, mortgages, never own a home. Uh, We don't know. I got to play these quizzes more often. Yeah, I could win a house. Um, Justin, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, right now? No, I think you mentioned all the things that I'm allowed to talk about. Mm. Nature Talks to Itself mm-hmm. is an improv comedy podcast. Are you doing Winslow every week? Winslow every month. Every month. Um, so, Look for it, folks. UCB. Yeah, it's uh, the third Thursday uh, of the month at UCB Los Angeles. Awesome. Okay. Come to UCB Los Angeles, UCB Franklin, on July 30th. At 8.30 p.m. Mm. to see Dub-a-Dub-Dub Summer Slash and Splash. Ooh. Which we are going to be taking clips from summer horror movies. There will be a scene from Midsommar. Hell yeah. Uh, we got some Jaws. We got mm-hmm. some I Know You Did Last Summer. Love some other it. recommendations. Sleepaway Camp, maybe. Yeah. Okay. That kind of stuff. And uh, improvisers redub those scenes live. This sounds like a thurkin' blast. Hell yeah. yeah. We'll be there. We will be there. We will Consider be there. us there. going to yeah. be a good time. It's improvisers who are also voice actors. It's And I like the rub-a-dub-dub part, too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you gotta have something. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the Cabbage Patch Kids bath babies? I just remember the commercials. It was splish splash. I was taking a bath. You and your Cabbage Patch Kids bath babies. I do remember it now that you said the yeah, song. Yeah, now the that song you said the song. In my head. Ugh, creepy. You know that you can. <laughs> we should end the podcast. But do you know that you can watch? Um, Cabbage Patch Dolls Being Born. Do you know about this? No. It's really fucking weird. You can watch it on YouTube and kids can go to it in Florida and it's like a nurse being like, okay, the Cabbage Patches are coming and it's like little cabbages and then they open up and like little babies come out and it's like, it's like little cabbage patch dolls, and that's how like you can like buy your cabbage patch, and you can watch it be born. It's horrifying, fucking creepy as fuck. That's a movie. That Ari, is a are you listening? Film. That sounds like your next um, script, but if you're, if you're looking, everybody YouTube cabbage patch doll births. Wow. It's bizarre. Look, if you have a cabbage patch lover in your life, you have to go to the Cabbage Patch Academy Museum in Florida. Uh... Well, that, my friends, is the show. Follow us on social media at Cinema Possessed Pod, where we announce next week's movie ahead of time. And if you want to get in touch with us, email us at cinemapossessedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to get even more possessed, head on over to patreon.com slash cinemapossessedpod and unlock the Cinema Possessed bonus materials, our bi-monthly bonus episodes where we talk about more than just what's in our collection. Plus, you'll gain exclusive access to Patreon-only giveaways and community message boards. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Yeah, please review. Some people have been doing it, and it's very helpful and very nice. It's true. We, we, we need it, folks. Thank you. <laughs> and as always... Keep watching the movies you love and stay possessed. Later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>